to see Chicago's game day. Top to Ingram, three for the win. Good! Custer stops, fires a 15-footer, bounces, and it goes! Towns dribbles and fires a three, and he got it! Loyola Chicago is off to the Final Four! It's a notch under the Cubs winning the World Series. The whole city, you know, had our backs. Everyone in Loyola is so hyped right now. We've done a great job, and we came so far, but, you know, we, we didn't buy into all that. We just really wanted to, to keep on chasing. There's nothing like it. Cinderella keeps dancing on. They can beat anybody in the country. They've proven that. This bar is named after the 1963 National Championship. They're about to rename it to 2018 because we're going to the Final Four. Be careful, San Antonio. The Ramblers are on their way. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Don't worry about being careful. Just be ready, San Antonio, because the Loyola Ramblers are headed that way for the Final Four after a big win yesterday. This one wasn't close, but something happened in the game yesterday that's happened in three of the four previous games. I don't know if I heard these guys mention it as I joined Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Freddie, you up there with you for the next three hours talking a lot of Loyola Rambler basketball. Did you realize how many points um, Kansas State had in the game? In the at the end of the game, at the end of the game, oh, yeah, I mean sixty-two, 62? okay, four. Remember, you know how many points Miami scored? Sixty-eight, sixty-two, two. You know how many points Tennessee scored? Sixty-eight, sixty-two. Wow, Nevada scored sixty-eight. Pretty so good. Oh, coming okay. in, there you go. Coming into the tournament, the Loyola Ramblers were fifth in the country in defense, yeah. averaging sixty-two point six, sixty-two point two points per game. Mm-hmm. In three of the four games, they allowed exactly the average of 62 points. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. damn ironic. <laughs> pretty good quiz to start the show, too. Well, That's yeah. outstanding. No, and you know what? No, I've, nobody else mentioned yeah. it. It's no, one right. silly little thing, but it'll get mentioned like Tuesday. And you guys can say, hey, we knew about that earlier. Yeah. Fred, yeah. silly little thing, but the defense, that's yeah. why they keep advancing. Because Swarming. every single time, right. team defense is the thing that leads this team. No, it is. Constantly. These guys know how to switch. And you guys know basketball. You guys watch tons of NBA stuff. The the, the, the switching on the man. I mean, there are a lot of NBA teams, if they could do it that well, uh, they'd, be, they'd be a lot better. Because I love the way they switch on top. It's funny because you're just watching them when they set up. A lot of times it just looks as the other team's coming down court like they're set up in a 3-2 zone. Yeah. Because there's always three guys high mm-hmm. and two guys low, but they're just waiting for their guys to come. There were a couple times in the game where there were there were 10 guards on the court. Yeah. yeah. Late in the game in the second half, 10 guards on the court. So we got a lot to talk about. Loyola moving on to the Final Four. Mike Berman from NBC is going to join us in uh, moments. Also, Jonathan uh, Gavoni. Is that how you say his last name? I think Giovanni. Jonathan Giovanni. Giovanni, okay. Uh, From Draft Express, really good. He'll break down uh, the guys in the tournament that will be going pro. And obviously here in Chicago, we're not just watching the tournament to enjoy college basketball. We're watching the tournament with an eye on the NBA draft and the Chicago Bulls. Hopefully they will get a high draft pick right now, sitting in that 8-9 to range. So it'll be interesting to ask him about some of the prospects at the top of the board, and then maybe Trey Young, mm-hmm. and some of the guys that might be in the area that the Bulls will be selecting. Oh, well, That's we... the best part of the tournament so far, is that you haven't actually had to watch the games for NBA talent. We've been watching it for Loyola. Yes, yes. And from what I understand, there's all, there's probably nobody. Uh, but um, there we will find out more uh, if there was anybody that's uh, NBA-ready. Heck, 
I would take uh, Ben Richardson just to take make make some shots at the end of the game. Yeah, six yeah. of seven last night. Yeah, he was outstanding. And and you know, it's a different guy every single time yeah. with this Loyola team. And that's a part of the brilliance and a part of the storyline, right? We talked about the team defense, but it's also an offense. It's shoot your shot when it's your turn. It's not. It's not coming down the floor and saying, well, he's our best player, so no. that's option one. He's our second best player, so that's option two. Instead, all right, work the flow of the offense. If you got open shop, pop it and go for it. Yeah, there's a lot more to get to, but first let's head on down to Atlanta before he hops a plane coming back to Chicago from NBC Sports. It's Mike Berman. Mike, how you doing this morning? Great, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Thanks a lot for jumping on in. You know, with uh, with the way sports is going here in Chicago, especially this time of year, this has to be a, this has to be a glorious assignment to go down and cover something as much fun as this Loyola Ramblers team is. I know, right? The Bulls stink. The Blackhawks stink. And here we go, waiting for opening day. We've got the Ramblers filling the time and doing it admirably. I mean, what a blast it was to be a part of that last night. There's just those moments. When, you, when you're lucky enough to work in this industry where you're, like, looking around and taking it all in, and last night was one of those moments. I mean, it is just so historic. Obviously, just the fourth 11 seed ever to reach the Final Four, and for Loyola to do it, a team that, you know, almost lost to UNI in its first-round game in the Missouri Valley Tournament, mm-hmm. and then... They run the table there and and haven't looked back since. Just an incredible story. Mike, after the game, talking with Porter Moser, what did you take away from him besides just the pure joy in getting to the Final Four? Well, it's something that he's continued to say over and over. It's it's how much he loves the team and how much he really respects the winning gene. He keeps referring to that. You know, so many guys on the team won state championships in high school. Um, he just keeps talking about culture. I think he really is enamored with this team. How could you not be? Obviously, they're talented on the floor, playing together, you know, so they're like five guys on a string defensively, offensively. It's just beautiful basketball, watching them with the hockey assists, spread the floor, move the ball, create open shots. But I think he really, really likes this team in the locker room, off the court, too. He's just really enamored with the group that he has and obviously you know they've taken him to a place that some coaches can can never even say that they made it the final four everybody's celebrating yesterday there's not really one star of this team besides sister Jean. are they ready for what's coming to them this week when they get back to chicago and leading up to the final four um, ben Richardson in the locker room after the game was like, someone asked him about coming back to Chicago, and he just smiled and laughed, and he was like, I cannot even imagine what it's going to be like when we get back to campus and across the city. No, they're probably not, because I, I really think they have steadily captured the heart of the city. But, you know, they're only going to be in town for a couple of days, then it's off to the Alamo City. They're going to be in San Antonio, and then it'll be back to business as usual. And one thing you have to be impressed with is, they have risen to the occasion every single game. The moment has never been too big for them, whether that's a product of Moser, whether that's a product of their veteran team, or a combination of it all. Um, I'm not sure, but they have been able to rise to the occasion every time. So for those out there who think, well, okay, they've gotten this far, but, geez, when they face Michigan and the lights are bright, you know, in the national semifinals, they're, they're going to be in trouble. I do not agree. 
I think that they're ready for this moment, and I think they've proven they can play with anyone in the country. Mike Berman from NBC joining us here for a couple quick moments before he hops on a plane to come on back home here in the studio Hot Rods Hotline. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black and Adam Amdala. Mike, with all the stories that are there, the one that really seems to stick with me is is the two guards, is Ben Richardson and also Clayton Custer, how they played together, have known each other since they were like in third grade. Is that the best story? I mean, you know, everybody, the rest of the country is making Sister Jean the best story. Porter Moser getting them there. But in your mind, what is the best story on this team as they go forward? Hmm. Tough question. I mean, you've got you know, you've got Dante Ingram, a Chicago kid from Simeon, who's been there for the downs and, and now the up. Um, you've got uh, you've got Cameron Crutwig coming in from Jacobs High School, making an impact, Missouri Valley Freshman of the Year, um, a bowl down low, just just so impactful in the post. But yeah, I guess you know, in the end, you look to those guards, you look to the backcourt, the two guys who. We're friends in Overland Park, Kansas growing up, went to high school together, actually played, you know, travel ball even before that. They have that innate hold on, I gotta I gotta check my ticket here. That's fine. Sorry guys. <laughs> Five radio. I call my name. I, I love you guys, but I don't want to miss my flight. Go for it. Um, we'll talk to you soon, so, Mike. So no no no, it's fine. I'm 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 just oh, you're good? you know I'm, I'm walking on the plane, yeah. Okay. Um um, but yeah, I really think, I really think that Fred, you're, you're onto something there. You know, those two, their ability to connect and, and kind of know where each other is because they have so much history together, um, is, is such a, an important part of this team's success story. And those two guys in the backcourt have really led the way as this team is, is done what no one thought they could outside of that locker room. To head to San Antonio. Are you on the little ramp now, heading into the plane? Or are you on the plane officially? Yeah, I was. I wanted to call it. Is it the jetway, the bridgeway? I didn't yeah. want to sound like I like I so. didn't know my airplane lingo. <laughs> okay, there's a, there's an employee walking past me. She says it is the jetway. She confirmed. Okay, good. There we go. Perfect. Okay, so in the last two games for the Ramblers, they had 16 turnovers against Nevada. They had 15 last night. I know it's all. Uh, sunshine and lollipops today because they're going to the Final Four, but did anyone talk about turnovers offensively uh, last night after the game? Can I make this a simple answer? No. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you know, I think that this, I mean, look, someone asked Porter Moser because he talks about how they always have, you know, uh, cut-ups that they'll watch of things that didn't go well. You know, the teachable moments, of course, as any coach does. But uh, last night, man, it'd be awfully tough to find a lot of teachable moments. I mean, they just ran K-State out of the gym. They were, they were so by far and away the better team and so dominant. Now, I don't think anyone expects that to happen against Michigan. And <clears throat> history would tell you, you know, with this Loyola team, the first three games of the tournament, they won those three games by a combined four points. So it's likely going to be a much tighter game where turnovers – you know, taking care of the basketball is important. So no doubt that's something I'm sure Porter will harp on during the week. But it was all sunshine and rainbows and gumdrops and all those good things. <laughs> Mike, we appreciate it. Just sit on the plane. Enjoy the trip back. Are you going to the rally this, this afternoon, right? Uh, I will be there, yes. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on uh, everything that goes on up there. We appreciate you jumping on. Have a safe flight. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Have a good one.
Mike Berman from NBC. I got to tell you, he had, until the very last question, he had one of the best phones we've ever had on the station. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you get on the plane and <laughs> it's, know. you know. Well, he had the added boost of that uh, Wi-Fi from the airplane itself. Yeah. If you've ever noticed, like when you connect to the Wi-Fi on the plane, that's when it's a legit connection. Uh-huh. But the they, they sketchy uh, airport terminal, that's oh, always tough. Yeah. So I bring up turnovers, right? Because last night, yeah, you Kansas got, You State, beat me to it because I was, I don't know if you saw, but the turnovers were make where they were nerve-wracking for me at the end. Because oh, yeah. I know you guys were saying it was over, but it could have, I think it was within 12 with like two minutes to go. And I'm going, yeah. this can happen if they miss a few free throws. Well, Fred, look at the box score. 28-2, to two, Kansas State to Loyola. Points off of turnover. Mm-hmm. And it's multiple games in a row now where... You know, against Nevada, it wasn't even close. The Ramblers had 16 turnovers to 10. Yeah. So, listen, I get it. They are playing really well offensively and defensively, but if you have too many turnovers, that's the type of thing in a big spot at the Final Four that could be the end of your season. If you come out and offensively you're turning the ball over and all of a sudden Michigan's hitting three-point shots, next thing we know, Cinderella and the Disney story is all over because Michigan is the team heading on to the national championship game. Well, yesterday leading up to the game, we were talking about how they're basically playing a mirror image of themselves in Kansas State, a team that shoots well and dominates defensively and is going to be a grinded out game. That obviously didn't prove to be the case, but they're going to face a Michigan team that is really, it's really two different teams. Is it going to be the Michigan team that showed up on Thursday night with a bunch of rest that couldn't miss, that it seemed like they were shooting into two baskets at once. The basket was so big, they couldn't Mm -hmm. miss anything. And then they were holding teams defensively. Or is it going to be the the team yesterday where it's going to be one of these long grinded out games that has a bunch of fouls and it's going to take a while. That's not going to be the best basketball that's going to be played, but ultimately it's going to come down to the end and it's going to be another defensive battle for Loyola. You want to jump on and talk about the Loyola victory? Three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. The, the very, the five first baskets that Loyola scored last night. We're all scored by each of the guys. Krelwig scored his first, Custer, Richardson a three, Towns, and Ingram a three. So they spread it all out. And, and um, so each of the five guys scored a basket before the next guy scored one. And we talk about team and how well this team guy they play as a team. A lot of their turnovers are trying to get the ball into Krutwig. Um, because he, he is a big guy, but they also, the teams also know that they're trying to get it in. And for some reason, they seem to like the lob pass mm-hmm. instead of the bounce pass. And those lap passes get seem to be intercepted quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough, too, because you get the uh, help from the backside defender coming mm-hmm. over. And that's, you know, it, it's forcing it offensively. And when they are patient, that's when they're at their best. Yeah. It's when they are trying to force it down to Kurtwig. That's when you see the turnovers. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see because um, heading into this Final Four matchup against Michigan, it's not like... Um, you know, against Nevada and against Kansas State, you could make the argument that they were on equal playing field. Mm-hmm. Both teams were comparable to what Loyola is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at Ken Palm this morning, it's updated, and Michigan is ranked as the seventh best team in the country. Now, it takes into calculation all the other teams that have been eliminated. Right. Um, but they have Loyola 30th. So, you know, you're up against it heading into the Final Four. Michigan is a legit top 10 team. And Loyola is on the outside. And, yeah, you have a shot because everyone has a shot when the game starts. But this isn't going to be you just show up to San Antonio 
and you're just going to have an easy path. Like This, this is going to be a really difficult game. They're no, going to have to play their best to move on. Michigan's a very good team, and Michigan is used to the spotlight because they're a Power 5 team. You're going to get... And I know it's going to be, oh, well, you know, they, they've dealt with this whole time. The Final Four is different. Going through all the, all the media, going through all the practices, that kind of stuff. Chris, you've been to the Final Four a few times. You know, yeah. you've. It's the Super Bowl for college basketball. Exactly. Sure. And that has, takes its toll on these kids. These kids are going to get media requests left and right. They're going to be on shows. They are the talk of the nation right now. It's, this is going to be all the Sister Jean stuff on Good Morning America. That was all cute and all, but now, they are the story because right. they actually did it. And so it'll be interesting to see how this team deals with that. I'm not calling it adversity, but deals with now being part of the hype machine that is the Final Four. Like, this is something they've never had to deal with before. In case you guys are wondering, if you're like, oh, 30th and Ken Palm, what, what are the other teams? So right now, Villanova's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two was Virginia. They obviously lost. Duke is the third-ranked team on Ken Palm. Then Michigan is seventh. Kansas is ninth. Texas Tech is 11th. And then you have to go all the way down to 30 to find the next team that's still alive. And, you know, it, it, it'll be fascinating to see what happens today. We have two games today to see who else will get to the final four. And we have the um, right side of the bracket today where you have three of the top four teams basically in the country. Yeah. yeah you have Blue Bloods yeah. going against each other. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Texas Tech. I mean, you know, if you're the NCAA tournament, last night you had to be praying that Michigan won. And you have to hope that Texas Tech gets knocked out, right? right. Because I get it that yeah. Loyola is the cute story and everyone likes this story. Before a Final Four, if you had Florida State and Loyola on one side, and then Texas Tech, and then maybe you know Duke or whoever wins that game, sure, that's not great for the Final Four. I still think I think having Loyola is good because you get that. Well, having that one Cinderella. is okay. Yeah, having one is all right. But having two, if you could having if, two football schools there, I don't know is the best idea. If this could end up as a Texas Tech Loyola national championship game, I don't think that that's what the nation wants. Well, and, and that's going to be even weirder too, because you know you, you talk about you know when Loyola won it in '63, and there's been a lot of talk, and they showed Jerry Harkness a lot, and then they also showed another guy on the court that was walking, and they didn't mention his name, and it was Les Hunter who was the center for the '63 Loyola Ramblers team. He was also there. They t- did a big story about the bag and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, Loyola getting to the Final Four is such a huge story, and a lot of people will say, you know, that's beyond any kind of um, it could never happen, them getting right. to the Final Four. But when I saw, when I'm sitting there going, well, they're going to play Michigan, Michigan's had two games where they were miserable shooting mm-hmm. the ball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely miserable. And then, like you said, they came out in the first, in the game the other night on Thursday, and they shot the lights out. Yeah. And they were hitting everything from three. And I think that the one thing Loyola has is their their defense is good enough. They they switch a lot. They get out on guys. Uh, the second half, we got a little word when Jara started shooting the ball for Kansas State. He had a little run there where he scored five points. And we went, okay, what's going to happen now? But they were able to shut guys down when they have to. And I think that Porter Moser does a good job rotating guys. There's a nice athleticism when they bring in. You guys had uh, played the uh, Lucas Williamson, and he's a guy that comes in and plays some really good defense. Makes a silly move here and there, and uh, a silly foul on a guy on the inbounds play, and Porter goes, what are you doing? But he's Did you a think Porter was going to rip his hair out after that play? <laughs> yes, I did. Took whatever his hair, off, yeah, whatever hair he had. The, uh, the freshman for Whitney Young, uh, Lucas Williamson, he played at Whitney Young. He's played in big games. He knows what it's like, and that, that is a big thing when you get guys that have played in big games. I remember going downstate and seeing uh, Cameron Crutwig play for Jacobs downstate. They played mm-hmm. at Peoria. He's he's used to big games. Um, 
it's interesting with him, but I think he's going to be challenged because the guy he's going against, Mo Wagner, is a, he's a big man. Mm-hmm. He, he's a guy that can step outside and hit the three. He's a guy that can go down low. He was funny on the post game yesterday because I can't remember was it was it still Lisa Byington or was it someone else at that point? But they said they said um, you know you're going to the final four, and in, instead of reacting, he goes just say it one more time. <laughs> and it was very funny because he had the German accent and everything else. But that's going to be a huge matchup, and I'm sure that Krutwig's going to have his hands full. They really don't have another big guy. I mean, they have other big guys, but not other big guys to play against a big guy. Right. Yeah. So Krutwig's going to have to try to stay out of. Out of uh, foul problems, but that's that's a week away. We'll we'll talk about that a lot more. You want to talk about what you saw last night and what important things happened last night? What changes and game changes you saw? I was so happy for Ben Richardson because he just came out and he was not shooting well in the tournament. Eric made sure he gave us our stat pack and everything else. Ben Richardson in the first three games of the tournament, he was one for nine from three point range. Mm-hmm. Yesterday he was six for seven. Well, it's somebody stepping up every game in a different role, and yesterday was Ben Richardson's night. Well, and shooters got to shoot, right? Yeah, so, like, you you're just the keep shooter. Shooting. Just keep going for it, and then you hit some in six of seven last night. It's outstanding. Yeah. I mean, he plays good defense, and he stretches the floor from three, and he was cold throughout the tournament, but that's why this team is so impressive to watch, right? Like, not there's not one guy on a, a specific night that you know is absolutely going to give you something, but you know someone from the collective group will. Well, you talk about it. Clayton Custer was the MVC player of the year, right? Mm-hmm. He had uh, seven points. Right. He made two baskets. Right. And you know what? He was a key factor in the game. He had five assists. He did turn the ball over three times, but he is a guy out there that calms everything down. If it gets a little out of hand, he'll calm things down, and that's what he's out there to do. And I love Dante Ingram, what he's done. You know, he comes in, and he just seems to give it a whole different kind of, I'm driving to the basket. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit the three. If not, I'm going to the hole. I'm going to I'm gonna get there, and I'm going to score. And he's got so much confidence. It's great to see from kids like this. Well, you saw it, the biggest key for them, and when we talked to J.D. about this yesterday, Jeff Dickerson, who did their games on TV, he talked about their, the way that they play in transition and how they drive the ball, and Ingram's perfect for that. And what's great about it is the, way, the style of basketball that they play is they grind out the shot clock and everybody else is just waiting. And if you, if you don't have your shot, you know the other guy can hit your shot and can hit their shot. And if not, they'll just drive to the basket because they're all so good at doing that. We'll hear a lot from the people from Loyola after the game last night. I know some of you guys may have heard some of it. We will play a lot more. Also, uh, I wanted to play this because Bruce Weber on the other side, he knew early that his team had to wake up a little bit. Oh, yeah. He was throwing clipboards and doing some (laughs) other things. And uh, Bruce Weber talked about what made Loyola so tough last night. Some of the stuff they do, uh, icing the ball screens, uh, switching everything. Uh, They were very physical. We never could get in any rhythm. And... Uh, you know, and I, I feared it. Our staff feared it. We talked a lot yesterday about it. Uh, they were better defensively than I even thought, to be honest. And I thought we might be able to get some things, some looks, but uh, we just didn't do that. You know, a lot of times, uh, Chris, and you you know this, moving your feet can uh, make a lot of difference. And that's what Loyola does. They move their feet constantly on defense. Fred, you're right. And it's staying in your defensive positioning, right? Like, these guys are all in the perfect defensive stance, moving their feet all at once. And that creates hands and passing lanes. That creates disruptive uh, a shot blocking ability, right? Like, the whole thing, defensively, it it looks... If you are someone that doesn't watch a whole lot of basketball, that's what perfect defense looks like. Well, Watching them play. They limited Kansas State to 23% from three-point range and 34% from the field. 
That's that's crazy. Yeah. And they they have a list of I'm sure everybody's read all these these stories about Loyola and everybody. There's great stories all over today coming out from the locker room and that kind of stuff. They have a list of goals on before they go out there. It's taped to the locker room before they go out there. And one of them was limiting. Uh, Everyone, they, they want to limit them to 40% from the field. And at 34.8%, they did that and had room. But 23% from the field from a team that can shoot threes in yep. Kansas State is phenomenal defense. We'll hear from more of the players from Loyola after their big 78-62 win over Kansas State. They are going to the Final Four. We're talking about it. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, 312-332-3776. You're listening to ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ah, I like courtesy Westwood One as the Loyola Ramblers go into the Final Four. Yeah, you're hearing me correctly. The Loyola Ramblers go to the Final Four and ruin another Saturday night for everybody next week. Don't, don't, ruin, ruin uh, but, Fred, you know, come on. Yeah. If you had plans. It's a party. Nights? Nights? Come on. If you had plans. Nights? They're going to be the 5 o'clock game. Come no, on. No, 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 no. I know they'll be the 5 o'clock game. I'm sure they, we can find that out already. Yeah, Can't there's we? no way they're going to make them the... Uh, I don't think they officially announce it until uh, this one. The today's games are over. Yeah. But uh, You think they're going to make Villanova and Duke yeah, or Villanova Kansas? I think the primetime game yeah. is going to be the Blue Bloods, let's be honest. Yeah, and to be, to be honest, I would rather... Well, I, I, it's easier to tune into the game at 5 and have it get over at 7, 7.30-ish. Then you can, you know, because the other one doesn't start till late. And by the time it, that really ruins your evening. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if you had other plans. Yeah. You yeah. Know. If you want to go to dinner, if you want <laughs> yeah. to go to bed early, if you just want to read a book. It ruins your plans if you, if you want to do any of those things. <laughs> you know, book you read and a book. That, that, they all thing. Even, even I've got Kindle, but if you want to read a book, <laughs> you can do that too. Uh, one of the things that Loyola did last night, if you want to jump in, 312-332-3776. We'll hear from some of the other players from Loyola after their big win last night. Um, we talked a little bit, we'll get more into it later on, about uh, Florida State not fouling at the end of the game last night with 11 seconds to go and down four. Um, what um, Kansas State did is they did foul a little bit, and what Loyola did was step to the line and make them. They were 12 of 15 down the stretch. It was 64, let's see here, it was 64-52. So it's only a 12-point game. And then they started fouling, not necessarily on you know on purpose, but they were they were doing it, trying to get the ball back, trying to see what things have. Twelve and fifteen. Towns made two. Towns made a basket in the hoop. Um, Richardson made two. Towns made two more. Jackson missed two. Williamson missed one, made one. Custer was two for two. Ingram two for two. So they stepped in the line, made their free throws. That's a huge thing when you're advancing, when you're going to play. And it never seemed like they got nervous. They stepped in line. They were relaxed. They seemed to know what they were doing. And that's the one thing you didn't see throughout any of these games. Them really seemed to get, I don't know, I was going to say too high, but Towns gets a little excited. But, you know, they don't seem to get too out of control ever. As they're playing, no, and but you, what you saw is the opposite. With is them maybe get a little timid on offense and a little uh, not like lax a days ago on defense, but they 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 started thinking a little too much. And what that is is in those first three games when it was really close and the margin of victory was only four points, 
totaling those first three games is it looked like, and I've said it before, is that the moment got a little too big for them and they were wondering, oh, this is Tennessee coming down and trying to score on us. Oh, this is Miami, like the first game, Miami coming down and trying to score on us. And it looked like the moment was going to get the best of them. But yesterday, they looked like they deserved to be there and deserved to move on. Yeah, it's important to point out the free throws because uh, when you get to the end of these games, turnovers and free throws if you can hold your possessions take down the clock and then when you get fouled because obviously the other team's trying to extend extend the game make it as long as possible unless you're florida state uh and if you're trying to do so you gotta hit the free throws you hit the free throws i mean they went in the second half 13 of 16 from the free throw line yeah that's the way you win right you're not gonna lose the game that way you miss a couple front ends you miss a couple of free throws and all of a sudden a three goes down on the other end Another three goes down, and all of a sudden you got a tie ball game, or you—it's a lot closer than it needs to be. So you're right, Fred, to point out the great free throw shooting for the game. They shot 83 percent from the free throw line. How about this for the game? They shot 57 percent from the field. Yeah, I mean you're not going to lose many games when you shoot that well from the field, and then you know take care of the ball, and, and that's the recipe to win, especially when you're facing teams in a short amount of time to prep. Right. So like the second game of these weekends in the tournament. Those are difficult games to prep for because you have 24 hours and then you're playing again. Sure. Uh, so, you know, you got to take care of the basics. Now you have a whole week to prepare for Michigan. That will be a little bit different. But it was outstanding to watch, and I think people should be thrilled. And I think it's something that we can talk about because um, when was the last time you were that a story like this happened that was so unexpected in this city? You know, usually when we watch sports, there is a, a arcing storyline that we are assuming will happen. Right. And whether or not it happens or if it doesn't, we kind of have an idea, right? Like each year in the NFL, we kind of always know that it will be a race for the NFC and then they'll, they'll play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's usually what we're kind of watching for. We know in baseball that there's probably four or five teams that are really good, better than the rest. They are probably going to get to the World Series at the end of the year. You never get a team that was the worst team in baseball on paper than coming up and winning a Leicester City situation in the Premier League a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You never see that. So, like, this story, Loyola, getting to the Final Four is so unexpected. When was the last time we had a story like this? Well, and you can't say the Cubs winning the World Series no. because everybody... No, we knew. Exactly, you knew. Start to finish, people best team in say, baseball. Oh, well, we never thought the Cubs would win another World Series. No, no, well, no, that's not listen. what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, I mean... Could North, you, you know, I don't want to say Northwestern. I was going to say Northwestern also. But yeah, I was going to say Northwestern, one. but they only won a game. I know. They couldn't win a second game. So I, Northwestern, to me, doesn't really fit. Can we dive into the Cubs' run, though? How about the unexpected return of Kyle Schwarber and then actually playing and contributing in the World Series? Does that, that could. Does that work? But that's not a, that wasn't a, I, I know it's a national Hold on, story. But before because it happened, the, we had no idea that he would actually ever be cleared to actually no, participate. No, because Theo lied to us. <laughs> right, the liar. Theo, the liar. I've yeah. heard that before. Basically, Theo he never said. I yeah. mean, you know, every time you ask Theo, and he was asked over and over and over again, no, you know, he'll, he'll be ready next year. He won't be. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's out down in uh, spring training, or he's down in Arizona taking, you know, thousands yeah, of yeah, cuts against the pitching machine. 5,000 mm-hmm. cuts, yeah. blisters on his hands because right. he's Paul Bunyan, the, the, the guy that's going to come in and save the World Series. That was pretty unexpected. Yeah. I would say also, I would throw in there Derek Rose getting hurt. Obviously, that's the negative side of this conversation. None of us expected the downturn in his Mm -hmm. career. No. MVP, leading the Bulls. We thought that we had a championship-caliber team for years to come. Instead, because of his knee, because of injuries, 
they don't ever get there, and everyone's gone from that era. Yeah. How about the uh, four? Was it four? Yeah, four complete games for the White Sox in, o, in, o five. in o 05. That was unexpected, but you know, I'll bet you that only White Sox fans know. White Sox fans people in Chicago even know that happened. True, because I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It, it was a it was a big deal in baseball. Yeah. But I'll bet you, unless people follow the game or are broadcasters or from Chicago or White Sox fans, they don't even know that that happened. But that's something that'll never happen again. No, you're right. That'll never happen again. I think that the thing with Loyola, the stories like this that come up the most are in this NCAA tournament. The Butlers, yeah. the VCU's mm-hmm. teams. You don't now. And someone else mentioned this last night. And a lot of people did on Twitter last night. And if you can jump on it, you can talk to any of us on Twitter. Me at Fred underscore Hubner uh, at Chris Blacker at Adam A. Abdallah. If um, and Mike Berman brought it up, they had a tough win against um, Northern Arizona or was it Northern Iowa in the mm-hmm. first game yeah. of the tournament. If they don't win, they don't go to the tournament. Right. One team from the Missouri Valley was going to go. So if they didn't win, they would not have gone there. They're thirty-two and five. Yeah. They've won four. Was it fifteen now? Fifty fourteen yeah, or fifteen games lost, in a row. They haven't lost since Cap called a game. <laughs> Well, Fred, who would have known that? But but here's the, th- you guys are hilarious. Uh, here's the thing, though, about teams from smaller conferences. That's life as a mid major. Yeah. That's what it is. You have to it's win wrong, a tournament to get but in. It's, I mean, you well, should. And I came up with the idea the other day. You should always have if you have to play your tournament schedule. And how many games in uh, Missouri Valley? They play what? How many? Uh, like twenty, maybe twenty or twenty-two games in the conference. Tournament. Yeah, probably conference during the year. Yeah. If you win your conference, you should automatically go. And then, if you want to have a conference tournament, and the other team wins, then it's up to them to take the team or not. I mean, there's no reason you should go because you won four games. No, you, you make a good point because Loyola went point. 15 and three in conference right. play. They won the regular season. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the other teams in the Missouri Valley, Southern Illinois in conference went 11 and seven, uh, Illinois state, which is a good team. They went 10 and eight in conference. Drake went 10 and eight. Bradley and, wasn't bad at the end. I know. Uh, they finished nine and nine in conference. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, but like, okay. So you shouldn't have to worry about that. So what do you? What would you do to fix that? You're just telling me then uh, most conferences at most you can get four teams in, and then thus allowing smaller conferences to have more than one team get a bid because that's that's why you only get one bid from the Missouri Valley or one bid from the Horizon League is because the Big Ten needs its. 17 teams in. The SEC needs 37 teams into the tournament. The Pac-12 needs four teams all get in and then all lose in the first round. There were 17 teams in combined from the SEC and the ACC. Right. 17 teams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I just think that there's got to be a possibility that you can let some other teams. I'm sure the eighth and ninth teams from some of those conferences probably you could have done without. Yeah, there was no need for them to necessarily be there. They play tougher competition, yeah, because they play in bigger conferences. That's going to happen, but there's no reason to have that kind of thing. We come back, we'll grab a call or two. We uh, also are going to talk about the uh, upcoming draft. And I still, Eric, you've you've put his pronunciation up here, but I'm still not exactly sure how that would be. Gavoni. Gavoni. Okay, yes. Jonathan Gavoni from uh, Draft Express at ESPN. He will join us talking about some of the uh, draftable players. There'll be a lot of them out there on uh, you know on display today as Villanova plays, Kansas plays, Duke plays. We'll talk about that much, much more. As we the come real back. teams play. <laughs> Callers hang in there. Three one two three three two three seven seven six here on ESPN one thousand. Fifty seven teams from the Big Ten. This is Chicago's game day. I keep saying, you know. Be careful, San Antonio. The Ramblers are on their way. 
and I hope we continue, but we always do one game at a time. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Ah, do you think Sister Jean has spurs on the back of her boots when she gets down to uh, San Antonio? Fred, I need to ask you a question. Sister Jean on one of the bulls? Yes. <laughs> yes, riding the bull, yes, in San Antonio. Can't wait for that. Um, all right, so the question we've been waiting all morning for, Fred. Sister Jean, after the Ramblers head to the Final Four, she gets the little shirt, she gets a piece of the net, she gets the hat, she puts the hat on, she puts it on backwards. Is that okay to Fred Hubner? She see, put that on backwards. I tweeted out that originally she had the head on forward, and I think that some production guy, when they were, when she's getting ready to talk to Don't TV, said, listen, else. turn your head around because so we can see your eyes. Yeah, and they did fair. that. I bet that's, that's what they did. <laughs> I mean, or, she's Sister Jean. She could do no wrong. They wanted to see because don't don't they tie the the part of the net to the back of the hat? Yeah, so yeah. Like through the loop. Yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, time. so and they want you want to see that. She seemed to have a very small part of the net. I mean, I don't even know if it, you could have tied that around. It was so small. She got a part. Of honestly, the net. question, uh, real question. All the guys cut down the piece and they take their piece of the net. Why didn't they take the the bottom part that comes off of the net and then put that around her neck? I don't know. What well, she deserves more of the net than the small little shrimpy piece they gave her. They gave, I mean, she was holding it, it; you could barely see it. It was so small. She deserves more net than that. I think so too. Come on, Abdul. Abdul, you're a hater. I'm Let's not go to a John hater. and Juliet. Hey, John. What other unexpected things happen in Chicago sports? Hey, good morning, you guys. Uh, I wanted to add Jake Arrieta to your list for his second half in 2015. I believe it was 0.86 ERA. Pretty sure that's what it was, but then also the 2016 postseason performance—not too much regular season, I guess. But yeah, I definitely thought he should have made that list. Well, you know what? And we appreciate the call, John. Thanks for hanging out. We knew he was going to be good, but what he did in that second half was just you mm-hmm. know otherworldly. Plus, I mean, I think part of that had to do, isn't that when Chessie rode in the cab with him? Yes. Yeah. 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 San Francisco. Yeah. 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 So, no, I mean, I mean that's that's a, that's a great call because you're right. Uh, Jake Arrieta for a period of time was the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I don't even though we thought he would be decent, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, probably nobody that I mean nobody in Baltimore did. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I mean, Baltimore gave up on him and then when he came to the Cubs, the Cubs were able to say, "Here, listen, we're going to let you throw the way you want to throw." And even though you would look at it sometimes and say, man, I, I would say several, I don't know how anybody hits him because he's looked like he's going all the way towards third base and then he throws across his body. A lot of times that doesn't work for guys. It worked really well uh, for Jake Arrieta. We'll see how it does in Philadelphia. So. But I can't think of anything that has taken over the city. Obviously, when the Cubs are in the, in the postseason, that's because everybody's a Cubs fan and, or when the White Sox, we're in the World Series. There were tons of White Sox fans. Well, yeah, and but we're also talking unexpected yeah, excitement exactly. here. And it's we knew the Cubs were good when the White Sox won the World Series. They they were the best team in baseball yeah, for the majority exactly. of that season. They right. started off really hot, and then they it kind of got sketchy towards the end. But they made the playoffs and they went on their run. Uh, we knew they were really good. <laughs> we knew that Loyola was good, and we people were picking them to beat Miami. But that was about it. People weren't saying, "Well, yeah, you know, heading into the tournament, this is going to be a Final Four team." Well, yeah. I'm, I'm still amazed that they said what eighty three thousand people um, picked. Uh, Loyola to go to the Final Four in the ESPN pools. I know there were 17 million, but 
I, I thought I saw eighty three. Hold on, we can get it. Okay, we can figure the numbers. Out. The numbers seem to be ridiculous. We, can get, we got stats and info on this. Friday. Eighty three thousand two hundred and ninety two of the seventeen point three million entries. That's point five percent. And ESPN's tournament challenge picked them to reach the final four. I'm sure those people. It's and not more like, than one bracket. Yeah, it's not yeah. their only bracket. What's crazier is that when the bracket was released, the Ramblers were sixty to one to reach the final four and two hundred to one to win the national title. There are thirty four thousand people that had Loyola in the championship game on uh, ESPN's tournament challenge. There are seventeen point five thousand people that picked them to win the tournament. Wow, that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, listen, people People are just filling out brackets. I mean, come on. Sister Jean, how many brackets she got? <laughs> well, she, I mean, she's, she's got making up brackets two. left and right, right? She's told I mean, us she's got at least got two, right? Cinderella bracket. She's got a Bambi I, bracket. What else she got I over think there? She, you know, go ahead. I, but I, I think she thinks she can fill out a new bracket after every weekend. Yeah, I think she made oh. that up. I don't think she had a Cinderella oh, bracket. Cinderella dream bracket. Are you guys saying <laughs> that Sister Jean is lying? No, here's I what am. I said. Okay. I, don't, <laughs> I, am. I am. I don't know about Abdallah, no, but I am. I, uh, she's a nun. She's embellishing. She's a nun, and I don't think I think we should trust nuns because I don't think she's allowed to lie. Like, that's part of the nun contract, I think. Like, you're not allowed to lie. This is sure. a nun deal. So, but first she was like, oh, I had, I, she only talked about one bracket at first. She right. was like, I have them beating Miami, and I have them losing to Tennessee, bust my bracket, I don't care, all that business. Then, when people were putting it in the streets that she had the losing to Tennessee, she was like, oh, but I have a second Cinderella bracket. Yeah, and I got another fantasy team that's undefeated. And when I was in high school, we all had a friend who had a girlfriend that went to another school that could never come to dances. Right? You know, I, I saw one Dirk Nowitzki shooting in a gym as a young child, and I was like, this guy's going to be good, right? Are you saying Sister Jean is a liar? This I'm is unbelievable. I'm not saying she's a liar. I'm just saying, like, where did the second... I want I proof. Agree. Show Oil's, me the bracket. I want proof, too. Oil's going to come Show after you, man. Show me the bracket. I'm not going to be happy with this. No, I, I love put Sister Jean. I love Loyola. My wife went to Loyola. This is a great story. I just, <laughs> I want to see the bracket. I used to play basketball with... Uh, Brian Wheeler, who does the Portland Trailblazers yeah. games, we would go up because he did the Loyola basketball games at the old gym up at Loyola. We would go there and play pickup basketball. It was so much fun. I love the fact that they're up there and they're doing so well. And uh, I can't wait till next week. We come back, though. We're going to talk about some of the guys that are playing in the Elite Eight and uh, their draft prospects with Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express at ESPN. Chris Black, Fred Hupner, Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Two, one, zero, and how about this? Loyola Chicago, who prior to this year had made the big dance since 1985, is off to the Final Four. The Ramblers defeat Kansas State in dominating fashion, 78-62, and they become the fourth 11 seed to head to the promised land of college basketball. And Sister Jean, she better dust off her cowboy boots because you know that she'll be wheeling her way to San Antonio as well. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. That's right, the Loyola Ramblers going to the Final Four. No one's been able to say that since sports radio in 1963, which did not exist. So, 
were the first people to get to say that. I thought you were on right after the game, Fred. Yeah, yeah, oh, was, that's yeah. a shot. I did game, yeah. Millennial shot from you. <laughs> Big did, surprise. He set it up. I did. I did. I set it up perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Yeah. You know, it's a new thing. Yeah, young guys with old guys on there. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole new thing in the city. That's it was, uh, yeah, I was I was six. I did the post game. I broke it down for you. And, uh, <laughs> I had Jerry Harkness on the, uh, on, we had to dial him up with a regular dial phone, you know, and, and, and turn the pot up, you know, the, the, there was no sliders back then on the control board. Yeah, Join us for three minutes up. as I dial the number on a rotary Fred's parents phone. are the callers yeah. just walking into the room. The only ones. Call yeah. us up. Three. Fred, it's time for dinner. Let's go. Um, the NCAA tournament continues today. Two more games and as you guys were saying, uh, the Blue Bloods will be playing Villanova, Duke, Kansas. A lot of guys that you will see on the next level. And uh, to talk more about some of the guys we'll see on the next level and uh, draft potential. And, and the, the Bulls now tied for the 7th uh, pick, 7th and 8th pick. Who knows? Maybe the tanking is going to work a little bit. We bring in uh, Jonathan Gavoni of uh, Draft Express. You can find on ESPN. Jonathan, how are you? Doing great. How about you guys? We're doing real well here in Chicago. Everyone's excited about the Loyola Ramblers. Um, but I guess on the next level, the NBA prospects, there's not, not a ton of them on Loyola, is there? I don't think so. I mean, I, I would say Dante Ingram uh, certainly has helped himself uh, during this tournament. Um, I, I see him as a candidate to get invited to the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament, which is a, uh NBA event for seniors. And I, I could see him getting some workouts. I mean, you know, he, he's intriguing with his, uh, he has some length. He, he, he can make an outside shot. He, he plays very hard defensively. I could see him getting some workouts and, you know, a summer league invite, and, and we'll see where he takes it from there. Someone I'm excited to watch today for Duke, Marvin Bagley. He's projected from you to be top three so far in the mock draft on ESPN.com. What do you see from Marvin Bagley at the next level? Well, I mean, he's he's so incredibly productive at the college level. He, he's he's been dominant throughout the season. He's very difficult to stop at the college level with just how athletic he is, um, how hard he plays. He's got a very high skill level around the basket. He's a terrific rebounder, capable of stepping outside at times and making a, a three-pointer. And, uh, you know, he's only 19 years old. I uh, just turned 19 10 days ago. So he, he, he's got a lot of upside to continue to improve, and um, he, he's been outstanding all season long. As far as the Bulls are concerned, they're stuck at around 7 or 8 right now. They're tied for 7th right now as drafting concern goes. Is there anybody that's playing today that could fall to them uh, at 7 or 8? Well, Wendell Carter is someone to keep an eye on. He's Marvin Bagley's uh, partner in the front court. Uh, he, he He's also a freshman. He, he plays... Um, you know, more of a center role on defense uh, as a rim protector, but he can also step outside and shoot three-pointers. He's a, he's a very good passer. He just has a great feel for the game. He might remind some people of like an Al Horford type of big man. And then um, Mikal Bridges uh, from Villanova is another guy to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, the, the Bulls could definitely use some help on the wing, and you know, he, he's one of the best defenders in college basketball, can guard one through four. Also an outstanding three-point shooter. He's making around 45 46% of his threes on the year. Has great size at 6'7", uh, very experienced, um, really knows how to play his role. Uh, classic 3 and D prospect for the NBA level. Um, definitely someone to keep an eye on for Villanova. 
Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express joins us here in the studio. Hot Rods Hotline, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, and me. I'm Fred Hubner. You mentioned Bridges on Villanova. Jalen Brunson's a guy that obviously Chicago fans are very familiar with. He played his high school ball at Stevenson, won state here in the state of Illinois. Um, you know, one of the players of the year. Your thoughts on him going to the next level? He's going to be interesting because NBA teams are already split on him. Uh, some teams absolutely love, uh, you know, his shooting ability. He's one of the best off the dribble shooters in college basketball. Uh, he's really tough, really smart, just really knows how to play. Um, you know, gets after it on the defensive end. Um, some scouts aren't as high on him. They think that he lacks a degree of athleticism. They wonder, you know, how much of the bully ball that he's able to play at the college level is going to translate to the NBA. He gets a lot of his offense in the post which, you know, isn't really a, a very prevalent thing in, in today's NBA. He's more of a score-first point guard, but he can run the, run the show a little bit. Um, you know, they wonder a little bit about his lateral quickness. How is he going to be able to guard, uh, you know, some of the quicker point guards that you see um, at, at his position in the NBA? But, um, you know, you have to love his productivity. You have to love his feel for the game. He, he, he projects as, as a really nice backup. You know, where do you draft that? Do you draft him in the 20s? Do you draft him in the 30s? It's going to come down to workouts and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's had an amazing career. And he's definitely going to play in the NBA. You know, uh, your website, Draft Express, has some of the best uh, draft prep stuff as we head towards the NBA draft. I wanted to ask you, when you look at these prospects in the NCAA tournament and making their deep runs, how much do you take into account the players who are still playing against the players who have already been bounced or didn't even make the tournament? Well, NBA teams judge players based on their body of work, and we start watching these players when they're 15, 16 years old. And by this point, we've watched a lot of these guys 20, 30, 40, 50 times playing. And so you don't want to be swayed too much by one big performance or another. There's a lot of variance uh, in, in young players at this stage of their career. A guy has a, a team has a hot shooting night or they're cold that night or they get a bad whistle or they just, you know, they struggle with the pressure. And, and, you know, NBA teams aren't going to be swayed by that too much. You look at, for example, DeAndre Ayton was bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament, lost to Buffalo, definitely had one of his worst games of the season. It doesn't really mean too much. He's still going to be a very high draft pick, still, you know, at number one on our board. Uh, so you do like to see players that are able to contribute to winning. I do think that players can help themselves in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's like you look at a day like today, um, you know, Duke, Kansas, Villanova, Texas Tech. I mean, this is some of the best competition these guys will face all year. And so you're definitely not going to just throw that out the window. Uh, you know, you look at the, the matchup today between Macau Bridges and Zaire Smith. I mean, that, that's some of the, the, the most, the, this is one of the most athletic guys that Macau Bridges are going to face all year. And so if he can have a good showing, I think NBA teams are definitely going to pay attention, but, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because you've seen players in the past. You look at Patrick O'Brien, for example, at a monster NCAA tournament, rocketed up into the top ten, you know, and then, you know, where did that get you? And then you look at Malachi Richardson, has one big game, uh, two big games in the NCAA tournament, takes Syracuse to the Final Four, goes in the first round, and, you know, on the fringe of being out of the NBA now. So we've seen teams make mistakes in the past, and I think some of the better front offices don't get too caught up in the tournament. I have a feeling here in Chicago we're going to be having a Trey Young versus Colin Sexton debate uh, until the draft starts. Uh, what's the biggest difference between the two players, and which one do you think fits the Bulls' needs the most? 
Well, with Chris Dunn um, already, um, you know, having a pretty good year and looking like he's a keeper, I don't. I'm not sure if him and Colin Sexton are a great backcourt. I think that maybe Trey Young is a better guy to compliment him because he can play without the ball a little bit better. Um, Chris Dunn, he has that size and that length. He's such a good defender that you could see him pairing with Trey Young pretty well and minimizing some of Trey's deficiencies in that area because defense is definitely the biggest question mark about him. I don't really see Sexton and Dunn being able to play together, and so I think um, I think Trey Young is maybe a better fit, but I think the Bulls are going to have to look at these two guys and say, okay, who's going to be the better player at the NBA level You know, five years from now? ignoring the roster to an extent, because when you're as bad as you, as they are right now, you really have to think about just getting the best overall player. So it's going to be an interesting debate. I, I don't think it's going to come down to just point guards. I mean, the Bulls could definitely use a big to complement Markin in, uh, and uh, I, they could also definitely use some help on the wing. So they need a lot of everything, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think most Bulls fans, most fans, yeah, most Bulls fans would agree with you. Another couple minutes with Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express. You can find on ESPN.com. Back to uh, the, that Loyola game last night. There was a guy for Kansas State that was unable to play because of injuries. Dean Wade is he a guy that actually could contribute on the next level? A lot of people maybe haven't seen him, but they've heard about him. What do you think about him? I think he's a he's a fringe player at this point. He's a very, very skilled big man who can really pass the ball. He can step out and shoot threes. Doesn't have an NBA caliber body. Um, not not really a great athlete. Not blessed with long arms. Um, but he's only a sophomore, you know. So he's he's going to come back and 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 definitely be able to contribute to Kansas State. And I think he will find himself on the NBA radar. But he's, I don't ever see him as being a you know a first round type guy. How much of Michael Porter Jr.'s injury affected his uh, draft stock? Now, as we kind of shift towards the end of the college basketball season into the draft prep stage of the basketball year. Well, it's definitely not ideal because the, the, the two games that he played in coming back, he definitely reminded people of all of his weaknesses, all the things that people were nitpicking at before he even played in college. But... To his credit, he has been in so many different events throughout his career that people have really seen him quite a bit. He's been at you know a couple of different USA basketball camps. He played at the FIBA Americas Under-18 Championship. He was at the Hoop Summit. He was at the McDonald's. We, we saw him this summer at Adidas Nations in, in Houston. And so he's done a really good job of putting himself out there where he has a body of work now, and he's not a guy that people are going to be guessing about. There's quite a bit of film out there. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different ways to get information at the NBA level, and I'm sure he's going to come in and do workouts as well. So he's not, probably not going to end up in the top three, like, you know, some people had projected, including us going into the year. But, um, I still think he's going to be drafted high, probably in the top seven or eight, and he's going to have a long and excellent NBA career. You mentioned that the Bulls need a lot. They have that pick from the Pelicans later in the first round. Who are some names that people should keep an eye on uh, for the Bulls to take in that range that could make a difference for them? Well, one guy that you can definitely watch tonight is is Zaire Smith um, from from Texas Tech. He's going to be going up against Bridges. He's a guy that has really surprised people. Uh, came into the year not highly touted at all for Texas Tech was you know, ranked the 240th best player in high school, but has really exceeded expectations. Um, he's six five, really long arms, one of the best athletes in college basketball, can guard everywhere from point guards to power forwards. I think you're going to see him spend some time tonight guarding 
Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, he, he's he's shown a little bit more uh, of an outside shot and passing ability than we've seen um, uh, as the year has moved on. And he's really crept up into that top 20 mid-first round conversation. So he's someone, it'll be really interesting to see his matchup to, uh, today with Mikal Bridges and, and, and see how, how he's able to fare. It'll give us a little bit of a better feel for how far off he is from contributing at the NBA level. Uh, so um, that's going to be a fun matchup. Jonathan, I know that you're you're more worried about the players and the draft and keeping an eye on them and all that stuff. You're not as concerned about the way that the NBA does it. But that's one of the big conversations, obviously, in all the sports when it looks at the NBA and tanking and all that stuff. What are your what's your opinion about the way that the NBA does the draft right now? And do you see other than the change they're made for next year with the top three teams getting a fourteen percent chance, do you see them eventually changing it to try and get that tanking out of the league? I'm just not sure how you accomplish that. You know, I mean, they, they, to their credit, they, they changed the rules and, and starting next year, you're going to have worse odds for the top three and they're including more teams in there. I'm just not sure how you convince teams not to try and lose at this part of the year. I mean, there's just, there isn't a lot of reason to, to trot out your best teams and to try and win games if you're not in the playoffs. I mean, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I think it's really challenging and, you know, it, it hasn't it hasn't been that. It's been going on for years, and right. I don't feel like it's that much of an issue that you know we have to make some kind of drastic changes. Someone we haven't talked about yet, but who will be at the top of the draft boards in uh, selected high is Luka Doncic. He's played for Real Madrid overseas. Not many people in the listening audience has probably watched him play. Can you tell our audience what type of play Luka Doncic is and what type of player he projects on the next level? Well, he's a six eight. 230 pound point guard who uh, really helped himself this past summer at the European Championship, teaming up with Goran Dragic. They won. They won the European Championship with Slovenia, which has never been done. He went up in that tournament against a multitude of NBA players. For example, Kristaps Porzingis, Ivan Fournier, Ricky Rubio, and really, really showed that he can not only compete with those guys, but uh, you know, dominate in certain stages and i mean we've never seen a european player who is doing what he's doing he's arguably the best player in europe playing in the euro league at the top level um you know averaging almost a triple double on a per 40 basis which is just ridiculous um the nba game is is just tailor-made for for the way that he plays now just he's he's so big and smart um he's terrific in pick and roll he can shoot off the dribble um and you know he's he just turned 19 years old which is crazy we've just never seen anything like it before so he's going to be a top three pick in this draft um and i think we're going to be hearing a lot more about him now once the college, once the ncaa tournament is over he's going to be competing for an acb championship in spain and also um you know potentially making the euro league final four in may so uh you know he's kind of crept into the background a little bit just because he's had some minor injuries and they decided to rest him for a few weeks but I could see him, you know, NBA NBA guys are really aware of him, and fans are going to hear a lot more about him in the next few months as well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is probably going to win the Rookie of the Year this year in the NBA. Why did he fall to 13? What did scouts see? What did people see? Why did Donovan Mitchell fall out of the top 10 last year in the NBA draft? Well, he wasn't, you know, anywhere near as productive in college as he was now um, in the NBA, I believe he's he's averaging more points 
significantly more points in the NBA than he did in college. Averaging 20 points in, in, for the Jazz, he averaged 15 points at Louisville. Um, you know, people people didn't realize how much um, of a combo guard he is. Um, uh, and I think you have to give credit to the Utah Jazz, too. I mean, they drafted him, and they've really developed him. They put him in a position to succeed. All their veterans have helped him out so much, Ricky Rubio and Rudy Gobert. And, um, you know, I mean, this happens at times in the NBA draft where, you know, a guy is just, he's, he's not in a great situation in college. Um, you know, they had such a funky offense last year at Louisville. Um, he was not efficient at all. I mean, he's shooting a higher field goal percentage in the NBA than he was in college, which again, doesn't, doesn't normally happen. He's averaging a lot more assists. And so, I mean, uh, I think a lot of that has to do with Donovan Mitchell's intangibles, his work ethic, uh, just his ability to adapt to the to the NBA level, and you know you have to give him a lot of credit. He's he's been amazing so far all season for them. I know we talked briefly about the Bulls, and they need more of everything. Uh, what assess what you've seen from Larry Marketing from this season? What you saw from him heading into the draft? Are you surprised at the way he played this year? Not at all. We were very high on Larry. He was he was the guy that you know we we started writing about when he was seventeen years old. Um, just. He, he he's always been a guy that's been a little bit under the radar screen. Um, uh, you know, he, we had him projected as a, as a top ten pick all year, and when he was drafted seventh, that that didn't surprise us at all. I mean, he's um, he's a phenomenal shooter, as people know, but he can also do more than that. He's just very skilled with the ability to put the ball on the, on the floor, uh, and he's also a, a much more competitive guy than people realize. Um, stepping out and switching on to guards at times. Um, He's he he's he's got a great future ahead of him, and you know he's been awesome for the Bulls, and I think you know fans are obviously very excited about him. You can find Jonathan on uh, Draft Express at ESPN dot com. Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan, thanks a lot for jumping on for a few minutes. Thanks for having me, guys. Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN.com. You can find him right over there and uh, probably get him out again as we get closer to the draft, which is uh, in June, correct? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. end of June, right after the NBA Finals. You know, the the NBA playoffs go into uh, early, early April, into May, into June, late June, and then it's like a week turnaround. It's like, all right, here's the draft, draft time. So. You know, and, and as you're uh, watching basketball throughout the tournament, I'm an NBA guy. I'm a Bulls fan. I enjoy watching NBA basketball. So I, when I watch these college games, right. I always have the draft express eyes over my in the lens over my eyes, and I'm watching these guys trying to figure out how they'll fit in on the next, the next level, level. And especially when you get to the Final Four, because usually the Final Four is chock full of like five or six guys that will be in the top of the draft. Uh, Marvin Bagley, we'll see him. Uh, different guys that we talked about. So it's always interesting to get the perspective right now before like the super hype of the right. NBA draft starts. And you know, Luka Doncic, that's someone that nobody is really talking about too much because no one's seen him play. Right. Mm-hmm. He he's going to be really good. He's got handles at six eight, and he can shoot. Yeah. You basically have to watch him on YouTube if you want to see anything from yeah, him. I mean, and listen, Dra- should. I mean, he's, Draft Express has the video yeah. out there, so like you can do the homework. But you know, it's different than watching the Final Four and seeing these guys in your face. Well, yeah, and if you're looking for the Bulls, you need to find the guy that's probably like a, a, ju- Allen. a junior, um, <laughs> Grayson Allen, there for senior. a while. Yeah, maybe he's gritty, can play quote. Maybe play defense. Uh, can occasionally, Maybe play defense. Can occasionally hit threes, and then you know they'll draft a Denzel Valentine. You know it is interesting, uh, Fred, that he mentioned the point guard position because that's mm-hmm. also something that I've kind of 
continue the talk about is, uh-huh. do we know who the Bulls point no. guard of the future is? It's not no, Chris we don't. Dunn. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's Chris Dunn either. It, maybe he's it working is. Hard. He's working hard. He's got to work a lot harder. Uh, I don't know that he's the guy that uh, is going to take you there. It, it, oh. I, it's weird. I think he's like 1A. I think right. he's better than a backup point guard, but I right. don't think he's a good enough mm-hmm. to be your go-to yeah, point right. guard. Right, so like he falls between the 20 and 30 range of point guards in the league. Yeah. Now if you look at that and you on paper, you look at the teams who are the best teams in the league, they have some of the best point guards. So right. it's like, okay, we have a guy that can start, but that's going to put us behind the eight ball compared to other teams in the league because they have these elite point guards at the top. Um, you know, it's fascinating because when you look at the guys who might be available for the Bulls, if they pick 7th or 8th or ninth, wherever they land in the lottery... There are going to be a couple point guards there. Trey Young, Colin Sexton, we talked about it. What's disappointing to me is clearly the best point guard on the board will be gone because the Bulls won't be picking in the top two. You know, and like yeah. that's where you get back to the Luka Doncic thing is because the way Giovanni talked about it there is you you have a guy who's like a franchise-changing point guard, right. which the Bulls need, he won't be available to them because they won too many games. Well, yeah, that goes back to the half tank, you know? Like, th- they could have put themselves in a position to be as bad as they have been the past couple games. Right. And they just they just weren't. Now, it remains to be seen what they're going to do the rest of the season, who they're going to keep out as long, you know, as long as they can, but... They they should have been worse. Like they they could be kicking themselves because the goal is to not be in this position. The goal is to have the quote financial flexibility and cap maneuverability that they've been claiming for so long to put yourself in a situation where you're not in this situation again. And it, it I mean they're gonna get a top ten pick, but it's gonna be like eight or nine or seven or something. Maybe they get super lucky and the the ping pong balls. Uh, Strategically fall their way. And Are you they, suggesting the NBA lottery is rigged? I just said strategically fall their way. Are you doing co- you a conspiracy theory show on a rigged. Sunday morning? You said rigged. Yes. You I did. think you 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 said you rigged. Implied. That I implied it was rigged. rigging. You said rigging. As as we take a break, <laughs> I, as well as, uh, Nick got to us on uh, Twitter and he commented, uh, "You know, congrats to Loyola for getting into the Final Four. But mm-hmm. there is actually another state cha- uh, a national champion that was crowned yesterday." Who? Triton. All right. National Junior College uh, Athletic Association. The Triton out in River River Forest. Yeah. Um, they downed number two Pima, Arizona, 89-85 uh, for their first men's basketball championship in the program's history. It's outstanding. Yeah. So you know right. what's going to happen? Some they'll, Every year you see junior college guys transfer to major colleges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's always a possibility that some of these guys could be on some of the teams that play in the NCAA tournament in years to come. We come back. We're going to do a real quick right. MLB notebook. Real quick. And then we'll talk more about the Loyola Ramblers. You want to jump in? 312-332-3776. We'll hear from Sister Jean because you can't hear too much. That's what Adam Delavitt said, I think, right? You can't hear too much from Sister Jean. So we will hear uh, no, from... Actually, it came from above him. Oh, uh, did it? Yeah, God. Okay. Yes. Well, there are, you know, God, Sister Jean. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. Thank God. Thank <laughs> So we'll hear from uh, Sister Jean. We'll hear from you. 312-332-3776. Right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! 
It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. It's funny that one highlight was uh, from Steven Souza. He got hurt the other day diving for a ball in the outfield. Not sure how how injured he is and if he'll be ready to start the season as he the season all gets underway on Thursday. I know Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, and I are all looking forward to the start of baseball. Can't wait. Your, your season's here. Yes. Can't wait. Thank goodness we can watch games that actually count and mean something. Happy opening week. Yes. Number one of 162. That, I know that, that's the one letdown. That. That's I, the letdown about baseball. I, I said it because I know how you guys feel about that. <laughs> well, well, no, it's it's exciting to get to opening day, but then like day two, day three, day four, it's like, oh yeah, we got a whole long way to go hey, before listen, we get to October. Next Saturday, Loyola's playing against Michigan, and the Cubs play, and the White Sox play. It's pretty good. Yeah, but we know what the story <laughs> is. Come on, everybody's going to be watching Loyola. Well, actually, that would would that be. Uh, that would you Darvish is pitching what the second game or the third? W Darvish, I think it was the third. Game. Oh, okay. So maybe, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it uh, Lester Hendricks Darvish? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah. you'll have you Darvish. So, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, you, know. you Darvish against undecided for yes. Miami. Oh. Yeah, he's tough. Yeah. He's really good. No face either. Look at that picture. <laughs> you know, uh, Chris Sale, former White Sox pitcher, now with the Red Sox. He gets hit by a line drive yesterday oh. in the hip. Uh, they say he'll be fine. He left the game yesterday. Uh, Madison Baumgartner, in case you haven't heard, yeah. I've got a fantasy baseball draft tonight at 7, so uh, I knew. Uh, he got, you're not supposed to put your hand in front of a line drive, especially your pitching hand when you're Madison Baumgartner and you're a lefty. And that's what he did, and as a result, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. They had surgery yesterday. Bummer. Yeah. Some... Oh, he made the White Sox, by the way. Bummer. Aaron Bummer. Uh, pitching yeah, for I, the did White Sox. I did it. I did it. What? What? Uh, Samarja got hurt too, right? Yeah, Samarja so hurt too. I don't know how he got hurt. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, they're down both of those guys. This after they Samarja make those just moves, left out. <laughs> this after they make the moves to get you know uh, Andrew McCutcheon, and uh, they they go in to get Evan Longoria, and all of a sudden now they've got their top two, you know, two of their pitchers down. down. So tough division, obviously, because you had multiple teams last year fighting for the playoffs, yep. not just the Dodgers. Nope. And you start the season with your top pitcher out. That's yeah. going to be tough for the Giants. That's going to be real tough. Uh, the Cubs have decided, I don't care if you caught for you, Darvish, Chris Jimenez, you're going to the minors. Bye. And, as, you know, Victor Caratini is going to break the uh, break camp with the big club and be uh, the backup catcher for uh, the Chicago Cubs. And I'm happy to see it. Plus, um, he's a guy uh, that I, he's, I think he's a switch hitter. Victor Caratini, and he can bat from both sides of the plate, which is which gives you a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, more uh, flexibility. And if we know anything about uh, Joe Madden, he likes flexibility. Absolutely, he likes yeah. to be able to mix his lineup up. Right, so, you never know with Joe. Any day of the week, not just the sleepy Sunday lineup. Toss some guys in a hat and pull them out. What? That's funny. If you go online, it says uh, he bats ambidextrous. <laughs> Usually you don't see that. Well, Fred, uh, <laughs> what, was it Zetterman on Friday telling us that Wilson Contreras is going to be MVP, so he doesn't need a day off, right? Yeah, you know, I was listening, and there's a lot of people that think he could be in the running, but he's got to play wow. a lot. Right. That's he's a got a step. He's got to play a lot. I think he played 117 games maybe last year. 
in order to be the MVP, you're going to have to play a lot and, and have put up some monster numbers. Well, how well, many times is he going to get thrown out for arguing how many mound visits he's got? <laughs> right. so. and, and that's, uh, that's very interesting to me because it's going to be really hard to figure out throughout the whole course of the day. We actually had a chance to have John Lester on the other day. He joined uh, me and uh, Sylvie. I was filling in for Tom Waddle. And I asked Lester, you, see, you're a radio professional. You mm-hmm. set me up for this. Yep. Um, we asked, I asked a lot, John Lester, I said, is it going to be real confusing when Contreras starts coming out and you start going, no, 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 we've got too many. How difficult is this all going to be? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, and it's not just Willie. I mean, I think you're going to see that league-wide. Uh, I think you're going to see some weird things. I think you're going to see pitchers, you know, backing up home with a ground ball to first base so they can talk to their catcher. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some stuff going on that you don't normally see to where you can still communicate without being charged that visit. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think there's some gray area that I don't know which way that that's going to go. Um, so yeah, I think you're going to see, you're going to see guys getting waved off. Um, you know, you're going to see guys forget and, and go out there for that seventh visit and, and, you know, now we got to pull a pitcher out or we got to do, you know, I don't know, they, they said something about ejections and fines and, you know, all this other stuff. So, like I said, man, I, I hope I hope it goes smoothly. I really do. I love this game. Uh, I want nothing but the best for this game. And, um, you know, like I said, I hope this just doesn't affect uh, big games, you know, important games, because these divisions are getting harder and harder, and to make the playoffs is getting harder and harder, and and you start, you know, affecting a game here or a game there. You know, we've we've all we've all seen it with these, you know, coming down to the to the last game being played to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I hope it doesn't affect that. Even John Lester, and you know, one of the top pitchers in the league. Not sure how this is all going to play out. The first week is going to be a mess. Well, Fred. Okay, so you guys, let me know if I'm I'm totally off base on this. Doesn't it seem? As if whenever Major League Baseball makes a decision to change something, uh, they're completely unaware of butterfly effect. And do you know what butterfly effect is? Yeah, I've seen the movie. I saw the movie too, yeah. Okay, so like something takes place affecting things in a chain reaction, right? Like they don't ever think of what is going to happen after the change, right? John Lester talked about it right there pitchers now might go back up the catcher to then linger around near home plate after the play is over yeah. instead of having a mound visit. Mm-hmm. Like, like there are all these things that take place in baseball that don't actually have anything to do with the actual baseball on the field, like actually playing right. the game. All these little uh, nuanced items in baseball. And it's like every time they change something, they don't really think of the cause and effect of the change that they make each and every time. They're thinking that every change they make is just going to save time. Yeah. It's going to save two or three minutes. Yeah. Two or three minutes. Well, and, and, and that's so off base to begin with. Like, okay, mound visits are the reason your game is slow and boring. That's not why millennials are not watching no. your sport. Stop worrying about the millennials. How about you serve up your sport? Programming note, uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred will join Waddle and Sylvie at 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Cool. I can't wait. That'll be fun. Before the season opener on yeah, Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just hoping you promote like it. a weird look about it. No, I mean, I just, baseball does not get it. 
No, yeah, they, they don't. never get it. They don't. They, Five, they, they change all this stuff all the time because they want younger people to like the sport. How about you promote your sport? Yeah, this is Fred's notebook, so I'm not going to bog it down with no, college, college football talk. But as a fan of college football, I like watching college football. So that it so goes four game hours. takes four care. and a half hours. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care as long as right. the game is good. Right. Like if a game is a blowout and it's a thirty point blowout, I'm not watching it. I'm yeah. going to go to the next game. So as long as it's entertaining, I don't care about five or ten minutes here or there. That doesn't make a difference to me. Well, Fred, as someone who has enjoyed baseball yeah. your entire life, don't don't you agree that changing it to try and get young people who are not watching anyway, what what is that going to What's it going to do? Pointless. If they don't like the game, if they get to the, the, the millennial era... The right. millennial age, and they don't like the game, they're not going to say, you know, I might pick up this game baseball. Yeah, oh, I, I heard uh, there's less mound visits, so let, let's turn that on instead of some Netflix. Right. Like, what? Yeah, let's watch that instead of Black Mirror. Yeah, we're, right, know? that's not how it works. <laughs> no, it's and, not. and like, it's... I know, it, it, it doesn't get, make any sense to me. I get it. You want to appeal to them, but I think a part of the lack of appeal is the lack of star power and the inability for the sport to promote its best players, and it's in ability to showcase those players right because like why has the nba taken off in the last couple of years it's because we know who the stars are and the nba does a great job marketing those stars and you know the storylines and that adds to the game itself basketball is a great game too baseball is great but they don't market their sport well and well some people would also say that in baseball you know mike trout's the best player but he comes to the plate four times a game yes it's okay. tough to watch yeah and you know what those four times you don't want to miss it Right. Um, but, you know, it's difficult where LeBron James, you know, is going to be on the court for for 42 minutes. Yeah, I mean, know? right? Like, it's different. It's like um, bird watching, right? You could go sit in a forest preserve and wait for that beautiful bird to show up, but you might be there for four or five hours before he actually does. That's the same way of watching Mike Trout, right? You you sit there, he might make a great play in the field. Or he might strike out three times. Might strike out know. three times. Or yeah. you could go to the zoo and boom, the animals are right there. Right there for you. Is that the analogy you were making? <laughs> Uh, sure. <laughs> I want to see a tiger. I'm going to go to the zoo right yes. now. I'm not going to wait in the jungle to wait for a tiger to I walk think by. Detroit, I think Detroit comes to town the first week of the season for the White Sox at home. So you can see them. There, there you go. go. A bunch of tigers. There's yeah. another. Yeah. See, Fred's getting in on the pun. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. go. Wow. It's pun heaven. We're, we're here till noon. I'm sorry to start yelling in your notebook. And we're going to talk. Uh, Eamon Brennan is going to talk more about the games going on today. He will join us around 11 o'clock from The Athletic. It's Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner, 312-332-3776. Callers, hang on. We'll get right back to you here on ESPN 1000. Tigers. This is Chicago's Game Day. Be careful, San Antonio. The Ramblers are on their way. I'm sure San Antonio's getting ready for Sister Jean and the Loyola Ramblers after their big 78-62 win yesterday. Again, four games in the tournament for the Loyola Ramblers. They have allowed just 62 points in three of them. And then 68 in the other. They've won, obviously, all four. And uh, they are now moving on, and they get to play Michigan on um, Saturday. Five o'clock start. Well, if we expect it to be the... It's going to be the five. Yeah, we expect well, that to be the Abdallah's five. Well, just a hater. He's just slotting uh, Loyola into Listen, the early game. Whatever, whatever fits your narrative over there, buddy, okay? I am the number <laughs> one Loyola supporter here, okay? All right. <laughs> number one Loyola supporter right sure. here. Sister Jean and I go way back to the first championship. Sure. 63? Um, yeah, 63. <laughs> we she go was, way back. She was, was she there in 63? Or was she at somewhere, some other uh, parish? I don't know how, what nuns do. 
I do. They usually. I don't know if you usually, like you stay at the same school the entire time, or if you get recruited by other schools. If you're a good nun, they used to hit students with rulers. Is there an wow. AAU program for, <laughs> for nuns? Yeah, for nuns. I don't know. They. I. I remember walking to, uh, the nun would walk down the aisle and just hit me with a ruler. Well, you had to deserve it. You know, Fred. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that'd be allowed today. No, none of that <laughs> stuff would. None of that stuff would. That's why some of the Catholic grade schools didn't think went out of business. I went to Our Lady of the Mount in uh, Cicero. That's no longer a school. I think it's just a church. They get rid of the school. I don't think it's because the nuns were hitting on the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, uh, let's go to Arlington Heights. And Patrick, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Patrick. Fred, Chris, Adam, thanks for having me on. Um, I wanted to go back to what you guys were saying about the Staggle Bulls and their tanking job. I think that they're doing a perfect tanking job, and I'm going to explain why. Um, the NBA wants to get rid of tanking. Um, one way to do it incognito, like the NBA likes to do with a lot of things, is, is the Bulls did everything they asked. They played the veterans when they were supposed to. They didn't completely tank. They didn't do things like Memphis did with Tyreek Evans, where they were holding them out 13 out of 15 games. Um, um, all that, the Bulls are going to end up with the top one of the top three picks. I mean, the NBA draft is rich. It's the most rich thing in all sports, and, you know, what way to show all the NBA teams that, hey, if you do how we say, you know, uh, play your veterans when you're supposed to and play your young guys and just be competitive and, you know, and, and we'll reward you. And that's, that's how the NBA is going to do it. Okay, right, Patrick. Interesting take. I, yeah. I like the idea that if you do it the right way, you do it the wink and nod way for the NBA, that Adam Silver will then reward you for for trying with air quotes this season. Well, they and did then, get scolded. I mean, they did get scolded for not playing their guys that were healthy on the bench. They did, except I would say that they were just used as an example because they are the team that always is by the book. Uh-huh. What did they really do that was that different than anyone else right now who's tanking? They didn't do anything that was that much What's different the- than anyone else, but the Bulls were told not to do it. I think they were just an example for the others because, I mean... What Sacramento came out, what, in uh, early January, and they said that they were not going to play two to four of their veterans each and every game. Did the NBA say anything about that? Yeah. When they're resting Zach Randolph and Vince Carter and Gary Temple and all these guys are resting, two of them each and every game. The NBA didn't say anything. No, they should have. But but the Bulls... We're scolded. Yeah. You know, it's like the kid in class. The good kid gets in trouble, and then everyone else like looks like, oh, I better shape up. I'm trying to look at, at who at the top picks right now by percentage uh, and see which would be the best storyline for the league to rig it. Like, the, the one that makes the most sense is that Cleveland would get the number one pick, and that's only, like, then that's because LeBron leaves. So then the league is like, okay, well, your star left, so here's the number one pick again. You know what I mean? Like, that would make the most sense Yeah, if you're going to rig it. Well, it would be New York. I think oh, yeah, I think too, getting yeah. a top pick in New York City would be big for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also agree with you that Brooklyn pick, if somehow LeBron stayed and they got DeAndre Ayton Oof. for the Cavs, right. like, like all of a sudden now LeBron's career just continues on in Cleveland. Yeah, and like, they, you know, like, if they don't want the super team out in L.A. or something like that and they want LeBron that. to stay and make the East, keep the East the way it is. Certainly not for the Magic. They've gotten it twice uh, now, And the right. Suns don't deserve it. No, they have lost 11 in a row, and they're number one right now in Tankathon. 
there at the top of the standings. I love Tankathon. The top of the Tankathon standings. We come back. We'll talk more about the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you heard this. Loyola's going to the Final Four. We'll talk about that much, much more. Eamon Brennan from The Athletic joins us after this on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Top to Ingram, three for the win. Good! Custer stops, fires 15-footer, bounces, and it goes! Towns dribbles and fires a three, and he got it! Loyola Chicago is off to the Final Four! It's a notch under... The Cubs win the World Series. The whole city, you know, had our backs. Everyone in Loyola is so hyped right now. We've done a great job, and we came so far, but, you know, we, we didn't buy into all that. We just really wanted to, to keep on chasing. There's nothing like it. Cinderella keeps dancing on. They can beat anybody in the country. They've proven that. This bar is named after the 1963 National Championship. They're about to rename it to 2018 because we're going to the Final Four. Be careful, San Antonio. The Ramblers are on their way. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. The Loyola Ramblers on their way home from Atlanta. They are uh, a gathering, a rally, I guess you'd call it, a... uh, Meet and greet around 2.15-ish, I think, at the uh, Gentile Arena uh, later on today as uh, they get back to, no doubt, school for a day or two before they head on down to San Antonio. You know what, Fred? It's funny because uh, the storyline all along was all season, uh, not many students at the games, and they sell out the final game of the year at home. You think there's going to be a sellout today at the arena? Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised there's going to be school tomorrow. I think the rally just well, keeps did you, going. Did you hear Chris Weber last Chris night? Weber's Chris Weber oh, called yeah. no, no school all week. Yeah, I'm fine with that. He said two, Monday, Isn't Tuesday, spring, don't go. Isn't it spring break? In, I, 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 I don't know their schedule. I don't know their schedule either. Wait. I think it's spring break. No. I do know Eamon Brennan's schedule. He's with The Athletic and uh, his schedule. He had us penciled in for right now. Eamon Brennan, Brennan uh, joining us right here on ESPN 1000. Eamon, how are you today? I'm good. How's it going, guys? You, did, you had uh, Loyola get into your Final Four, correct? I did not. I did have them going to the Sweet 16. I, I will take that. Um, but now they've, you know, well, the amount I was able to pat myself on the back for, um, you know, getting on Loyola early and, and telling all my friends and anyone who would listen on radio shows and such that they were good. Um, I I definitely didn't go this far, so I can't, I can't really... Uh, I can't take too much credit. You've been covering and following the NCAA tournament for a long time. How do you feel about the early round upsets? Uh, A lot of people complain about them saying, oh, it's tough because the better teams aren't going to be there later. And then all of a sudden you get something that turns into Loyola, which actually is a story to make it all the way to the Final Four. What have your thoughts been about the tournament this year as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I typically agree with the sort of conventional wisdom that you want upsets early and then sort of the best team still playing late. Um, but there are exceptions to that rule. And I think when I think about those exceptions, I think about Butler in 2010 um, where, you know, they were a five seed and they were undefeated in the horizon league and Brad Stevens was a coach and Gordon Hayward was on that team. I mean, that was a really good team, but like they were sort of the upset story Um that season and they were still incredibly compelling and and really fun to watch actually play um in a way that maybe 
Butler the year later when they got back to the Final Four to the title game wasn't. You know, they they, they weren't as good that year. Uh, they weren't as fun to watch, and that title game was a mess. Um, so I think Loyola falls into that category. Like, they're just good, and they're fun to watch. Um, I think the way they play is, is really sharp and intelligent and modern in a lot of ways. Um, they kind of look like the blend between a, an old sort of Rick Majerus coach team, and Porter Moser was under him. Um, for a while, uh, with sort of the modern spacing and um, you know driving kick principles that you see coming you know from the NBA down now, and so um, you throw that in with their story and all the underdog stuff and Mister Gene and all that, um, and and I think that still makes for a compelling entrance to the Final Four. Um, it would still be compelling if they weren't fun to watch, but I think that that the whole package is is there for them in a way that you know some sometimes underdogs it's. It's not, and, and the Final Four isn't, isn't as interesting. I think them playing Michigan in the Final Four is going to be a really good game. We've heard so many say that Porter Moser is a really good coach. When you watch college basketball, what sets him apart from others who are really good in the profession? Well, I mean, I think he shares a lot, what a lot of, of um, or what a, you know, a number of people who are really good in the profession share, which is uh, adaptability. Um, his roster, his, his rotations will change here and there. Um, the stuff they'll run will change. He's, um, as my colleague Brian Hamilton, who's been, who's been following them uh, throughout the tournament, um, has written a, a couple times about Porter Moser. He's, he's sort of a live wire. Uh, he's extremely energetic, as I'm sure you guys know, and extremely focused on detail to the point of, um, you know, sort of jokingly self-prescribed OCD that he, you know, if, if they're doing walkthroughs during practice and their uh, guys are inches away from where they need to be on the court defensively, they, they don't. That's not good enough. Um, and I think that 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 sort of stuff mixed with um, sort of what we were talking about with sort of the stylistic and X's and O's stuff that they're running, I think is really good. I mean, I, there have been um, you know I follow a lot of um, people on Twitter and websites that kind of compile plays for coaches. And I've seen a lot of Porter Moser stuff um, getting compiled, and I don't think it's just because they're winning. I think it's because they're 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 tweaking some things, um, like something I was looking at last night, like this a uh, uh, weak side sort of uh, handoff set that ends up with a flare screen action, and it's just designed to get Clayton Custer an open shot. Um, but there's a little tweak on the end of even if he does get an open shot, the guy setting a screen, which you normally don't see in a play quite like this, slips it immediately as opposed to sticking with the pick. And there's just little stuff like that that you can just tell, and I think coaches can tell. Like, not only are there really good ideas happening there, but Loyola is executing them at an extremely high level right now. As far as the Michigan team that they're going to face next week in the Final Four, we saw a team on Thursday that looked like they couldn't be stopped, and then we saw the game yesterday that was frustrating to watch at times if you were a Michigan fan, especially if you were a Florida State fan. Which Michigan team do you think will show up, and what's Loyola going to have to do to beat them? Yeah, that game was frustrating to watch if you're a basketball fan in general. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the it's going to be interesting because if you look at Michigan um, sort of stylistically as well and size-wise and in their personnel, and this is kind of how they've almost always been under John Beeline, but they, they look, you know, kind of like a mid-major team in some ways. Like, they're never going to overwhelm you with size, and, and Mo Wagner is a guy who, who can do that this year, but um, you know, their next college player in their rotation is 
Um, Duncan Robinson, who, you know, yeah, I mean, he's, he's listed at 6'8", but he's not really an interior player in any sense of the term. Uh, Michigan's almost always four out, sometimes sometimes five out um, when they when they really lack space. But I think, um, you know, I, I think the thing that sets them apart this year is how well they've played defensively. Um, they look personnel-wise like they've always looked, but uh, almost every year in John Beeline's tenure, they've run beautiful offense, um, you know, great four-out stuff, and, and they have a ton of little tricks that, that get them buckets all the time. And Beeline's been regarded as an offensive genius for, for years, but they've never really guarded as well as they've scored. And this year, those two things are reversed. Um, and so that's what I think allows you to get through a game like yesterday. Uh, where they were so bad on offense in, in the first half, and Florida State was locked in defensively and was blocking a ton of a ton of stuff, and um, you know had athletes that were long and that you know fast enough to, to take away a lot of what Michigan wanted to do early in the game. Um, I think in years past, if they would have had that kind of first half on the offensive end against a team like Florida State, they probably would have been down by by ten or fifteen points of the half and would have had to really fight their way back, and that wasn't the case. And it's because they're guarding so well this year. So um, I think that's what sets them apart this year. I think that that makes that interesting uh, for for Loyola because Kansas State, I think many people would probably have said, was the best defensive team that you know Loyola had to scout and, and prepare for. I, I would just I'd probably best bet it was Tennessee, but but it's definitely Michigan now, right? Like this is going to be the best defensive team they play in the tournament. Um, you know, unless they get to the title game, and it will be the best uh, defensive team that probably they've played all season. And that's a, it's not something we're we're used to saying about them, but it's absolutely true this year. Eamon Brennan joining us from the Athletic here in the studio, Hot Rods Hotline. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Before we get to the right side of the um, bracket, which you know we saw the left side yesterday, the two teams advancing today. The quote blue bloods playing with number one Villanova against Texas Tech and number one Kansas against number two Duke. But before the the tournament started. Uh, a couple weeks ago, were you familiar and well-educated in the game Fortnite, or have you had to learn in order to talk to the players in the locker room after the game? No, you know, what's funny is I actually, that video games are, are my, um, you know, a hobby, uh, and have been for a long time, and so I'm kind of like up on what's going on with games, so I was definitely aware of Fortnite, I was aware of the game that kind of out and out copied, um, which is a player on those battlegrounds, which got super, super duper popular last year. Um, but it didn't like cross over the way Fortnite is. It's kind of, it's honestly insane how, how big Fortnite is to the point where when I saw like celebrities tweeting about it like a month ago or whatever, I assumed that they were just getting paid. Right. I just assumed it was like a paid thing. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, being around, uh, being around players and, um, college kids right now. I've spent a lot of time yesterday talking uh, to Kansas kids and Duke kids about it and about like what it's like on campus, their little brothers and sisters in high school. Um, it's a it's an absolute like phenomenon. It's mind blowing. It's just I can't believe how popular it is. 
it, it is crazy. I was reading. You can check out more of it in uh, Eamon's article on The Athletic. And if you're not subscribing, I don't know, I don't know what the heck you're waiting for. Uh, get on out there and subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, get great coverage, not only with uh, basketball, college basketball, but the start of the baseball season. Okay, uh, the Duke-Kansas game. I mean, for the NCAA, um, you know, they're probably looking and seeing, okay, we got Loyola, we got 11, we got a 3. But has most of the country looked forward to this game since the brackets came out? Duke and Kansas, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I certainly have. I mean, I think um, I look forward to this region because, um, you know, you looked at it at the start of the tournament and you're looking at a Sweet 16 in Omaha of, in theory, uh, you know, Kansas and Auburn or Clemson on one side, which either either of those seems likely to me, and, and on the other side, Duke and Michigan State. And that's like, you know, you look at those two teams statistically – and their talent on the floor, that's like already a national title level matchup right there. Um, and so, you know, Syracuse kind of spoiled that party as they've been known to do. Fine, I'm not bitter about it. But, uh, you know, I, I think either way you were looking at a, a, you know, an Elite Eight matchup between Kansas and Duke or Kansas and Michigan State. And either one of those is going to be um, one of, if not the biggest games in the tournament. Uh, matched only by by the by you know by the game that, that either Duke or Michigan State had to play uh, to get here, and so we didn't get that game, but we got this one. And yeah, I, I mean, I think it's the biggest game in the tournament um, thus far. I think it is about as big a game as you can have before a, a Final Four in a lot of ways, because um, you know, again, I mean, I think both of these teams have understandable aspirations of winning the national title. Both of them are sort of the modern standard for excellence in college basketball and, and in slightly different ways. Um, uh, Kansas is sort of like this, this consistency machine under Bill Self that always wins the Big 12, which is kind of crazy, and we've just sort of gotten used to it. Um, and Duke is this, you know, sort of like uh, hegemonic brand in some ways under Coach K that's been going on for, for 40, you know, odd years at this point or whatever, but that is very much adaptive to the times and, and is sort of a fusion of um, one-and-done talent in the way that, that Kentucky under John Calipari uh, sort of pioneered it with the sort of old-school Duke mentality uh, with sort of a coach in Coach K that still has a lot of that stuff but is also willing to play zone full-time now. And it's, it's just a fascinating matchup in a lot of ways because these two teams look like each other um, typically looks on the other side, and and I'm going to be really fascinated to see how that plays out with with Duke's big guys and Kansas's guards, and and what both coaches are going to try and throw at each other to, to to figure each other out. We don't get this much in the one and done era, but Grayson Allen is coming up on his final few games for Duke, whether or not it's today or next weekend at the Final Four. Can you put into perspective his career at Duke and what we've seen from Grayson Allen? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, so four years ago, um, I was covering the, the tournament for ESPN and the Final Four, and, um, you know, we've got a bunch of people there, and everybody's working on stories the night of the national title game, and, um, you know, I, I was kind of trying to find uh, something that hadn't already been taken, right? And so I said, you know, well, I'll, I'll write a story about Grayson Allen. And he had been um, sort of the, the unheralded member of that uh, freshman year class with with Tyus Jones, 
and Justice Winslow and Jalil Okafor. He was kind of the, the fourth man down, but he was still, you know, a top 20 player and still uh, a highly regarded recruit. Um, but he just didn't get on the court very much as a freshman, and he was frustrated about it. Uh, and, um, you know, I remember talking to um, John Shire after the game and, and talking to him about how much uh, he had, like, just been in the gym all the time. And eventually, Coach K gave him a few more minutes. And in the national title game, he had something like 16 points. Um, kind of came out of nowhere, but but absolutely gave Duke a lift that it needed to get past Wisconsin. Um, and it was sort of this nice little story about this guy knowing, you know, the, the sort of freshman out of the spotlight working on his game all year, not being super happy about not playing, but still working hard and, and, and getting better. And then... Uh, popping up and, and helping his team win the national title, um, and you know, all, it's been it's been a. I think if you look statistically on the court now and look back at him and 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 his career at Duke, it's unimpeached. It's been an unimpeachably good career. But the years since that, you know, sort of um, happy little story about him getting finally getting his run in the title game and, and helping his team win it. Between then and now. Obviously, he has been the center of controversy um, n- numerous times, and uh, that playing for Duke, being you know the sort of the, the easy guy to attach to the latest sort of legacy of, of dudes that, that that play for Duke that we you know that people don't like. Um, he has taken the brunt of that stuff, and I think that he's come out the other end uh, pretty well. I think he, um, you know. You still see players in games sometimes really try and get after him and, 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 you know, knock him a little bit and hope that he gets angry and does something. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that I think Duke has worked on him, worked with him on for, you know, for two years, three, almost three years. Uh, but he has definitely earned the respect of the kids on the team now. Um, he is the guy who calls huddles. He is the guy who, who's barking on the floor all the time, um, at his teammates and, um, it's honestly, it's been a fascinating four-year career that I think is unexpected in its in its length and is unexpected in a lot of the twists and turns it, it took. And it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how this season ends for them, whether it ends now or or in the final four with a national title, and um, sort of how that bookends his career at Duke because it's it's been about as interesting as one as I've ever covered. I'll give you a chance to redo your bracket from here on out, like the uh, Sister Jean has the mystery second bracket that no one's ever seen. Uh, who do you think wins today and from here on out? Oh, boy. Well, so I, I, I took Duke to win the national title before the tournament started, and I'll stick with that. I mean, I, they did not play great against Syracuse, which is kind of what Syracuse does to teams um, and, and still survives um, slowly but surely so. I'll stick with Duke. I think I think Duke is is the way they're playing with their talent uh, mixed with their defense. I think they're the national title favorite. But I've got Villanova in the Final Four, um, you know, and and uh, you know narrowly losing to Duke. At this point, I would take uh, I think Michigan over the Ramblers. That hurt, that hurts me to say, but I, I think they actually match up pretty well. And I think you've got Duke and Michigan in the national title game, and and I think Duke will win. Eamon, we appreciate you jumping on. It should be a good one later on today. We'll be reading all your stuff on The Athletic. Thanks a lot. 
thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the rest of the, the tournament here. Eamon Brennan from The Athletic as uh, so the Blue Bloods, as they say, play today. And uh, I want to ask you guys quickly. we got a couple more minutes here before we take a break. When we were talking with um, Jonathan Gavoni, and what are your thoughts on Jalen Brunson? Because Brunson, I remember when I saw Brunson down in Peoria for the state high school tournament, not only when they won it, but the year before when they didn't win or vice versa. Um, no, I hadn't seen a kid in high school with a better step-back jumper than him. And you look at what he's done at Villanova. In his first year, he was there, and he'd start sometimes and he'd come off the bench. And now he's like, you know, you know, player of the year and all this stuff. What are your thoughts about him on the next level? And uh, I know Jonathan gave us a good answer, but you guys watch enough basketball and you watch enough NBA. You think uh, there's a spot for a guy like him in the NBA in the next level? Certainly a spot. Uh, backup point guard type thing. Uh, you know, he strikes me as someone that might be a step slow at the NBA level. Uh, because you mentioned the step back jump shots and his ability offensively to create create his own shot, but he's not necessarily a gifted athletic player. So I think you know a steady, sturdy backup point guard, someone who could come in give you defense, maybe hit a couple shots. I, I'm not sure if you're going to get much more than that out yeah. of him. Because I was looking but, at I was looking at the Draft Express and they had him like down as number thirty seven. Yeah, right. Like, and, and that uh, that would make sense to me. I, yeah. I don't think he's going to be a prospect that's going to be in the top part of the board where like the Bulls will be looking at him. You but Chris you know, Dunnish. Yeah, well, he's he's much uh, he's not as athletic as Chris Dunn. Yeah. Chris Dunn is a better player. Yeah. So I mean, you're looking at guys that like it's it's tough, but like maybe a, a young Kyle Lowry before Lowry developed into the all-star player he uh-huh. developed in you know i mean that it's that's what i just think of when I, I watch him play but it'll be interesting it's nice that a local kid on the big spotlight and he now gets a second crack at another na- national title sure it's kind of cool to watch yeah i mean this is the uh you know villanova for them the second time in three years uh they're looking to get to the final four and obviously they won it before um they're looking for their fifth final four uh overall and then the Duke Kansas game is just you know um, there's there's Illinois fans that don't like Bill Self. There's Illinois fans that do like Bill Self, and there's a lot of people that don't like uh, Coach K. And I, I was going to ask him, and um, but I didn't get a chance. I was going to ask him if he found any of his play any of the Duke players that like <laughs> Grayson Allen. Uh, <laughs> they probably all say they like Grayson Allen, but I mean Grayson yeah. Allen's become more of a punchline in when you talk about college basketball than a player you actually sit and watch because you're waiting for him to do something that is a little you know untowards a little you know sticking your hip out and knocking the guy down in mid court or something yeah, like, like a that. jerk you well, know yeah. the, here, here's the best part <laughs> he's got jerk face too he, he's gonna try that at the next level and someone's gonna punch him right in the face do you think he makes the next level yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. okay yeah. he'll get drafted he'll be he'll be a first round draft pick but that's what will happen he will mix it up with the wrong guy lance stevenson lance will punch him right in the throat Mm-hmm. They'll have they'll, yeah. and I'll be done with that, uh-huh. and I'll be okay, Grayson. Now, welcome to the NBA. You can't do that anymore because you're not one of those spoiled little Duke players. Yeah. I can't think of a more insufferable matchup than Kansas and Duke today. Oh well, yeah, if you didn't go there, they're oh. they're two of the fan bases that are very uh, obnoxious to deal with. Yeah, right. well, then you have to come in here and deal with Danny Zetterman for uh, yeah, I know, uh, for two just, shows, just, right? That's uh, <laughs> it's all right. I'm just glad we don't have any Duke fans at the station, too, because then it's uh, just... So we're, we're burying the lead, though. Uh, Fred, your thoughts on Fortnite? Yeah, yeah you know I what? didn't know you had such hot Fortnite. <laughs> I mean, let's question. do this. I, and I'm not 100% sure. That's, is, that's not the same game that Tariq Cohen's been playing online, is it? 
Because Tariq Cohen's been posting stuff, and Kyle Long it, has two. Yeah, Kyle Long. It yeah, is? That, yeah, that's okay. Fortnite. I've yeah. gone to it and looked at it, but I have not actually played it. That's and the one that uh, Drake and Travis Scott were all playing the other night, too. Okay. So they, they were Everybody's playing, playing, they were playing yeah. with Ninja, right? The best Fortnite player in the world. Yeah. Fred, do you know how much money this kid makes? No. He made $500,000 in the last month playing you know, Fortnite. I, I saw his... He he looks like a kid that would play. It would be at the college game, college basketball game today. He's yeah. got like the spiked hair. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you know he's from like Gray's Lake. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's he's from the northern suburbs, and he's the most famous online now, how, player. How do you okay? How do you make money playing that game? Well, so he has uh, Twitch. Uh, page. So, yeah. it's, do you know what that is? Yeah, it's where vague, you can watch. The you can watch someone play yeah. the game. I was watching so, Tariq Cohen, but I couldn't hear anything he was saying. So he has the most subscriptions on his Twitch. Okay, and I, it's like over a million. And then that combined with his Twitter handle, his Instagram, and his Facebook, the amount of people that follow him online. Not only does he get paid through, I believe, Twitch because of the subscriptions, but he also has sponsors. Sure, because he's so popular. And like Abdallah said, Drake wanted to play with him. What was that, like two weeks ago two, now? Yeah, like a week ago, two weeks And so Drake and he and like a couple other people are playing, and everyone's watching this. It's unbelievable. It's un- it is unbelievable. This is, it's, this is the game of, I mean, how long has this been, been a thing? Um, month, I would months? say yeah. it started to become a thing during the college football season a yeah. little bit. Did but it? like, it's been around for a while, but now it's like in the uh, social conversation. Oh, yeah. Where I mean, it's, it's all over the place. everywhere, you know. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton, he gets uh, bounced from the first round of the tournament, and like three days later, he, he tweeted out, I love Fortnite. <laughs> well, he had, Solid. He's he trying had, to up his draft stock. Yeah, what are you right. talking about? Well, he's, he's, a, he's a one and done, so I'm sure he didn't have to worry about going to school. Oh, yeah. So there was no he's need done, there. Yeah. yeah. We come back. We'll play a bunch of the stuff that uh, happened yesterday. The Loyal Sister Ramblers. Jean. Yeah, we've got Sister Jean, and I, I agree with you. I think she made up that whole thing about the second bracket. Mm-hmm. And until we, I want to get some clarification on that. Maybe we can get JD on the, you know, since JD is not lying. Be She's careful, a nun. San Antonio, the Ramblers are on their way. What does that mean? I don't know. We will hear more from Sister Jean, also from the stars of the game, the stars of the Ramblers, and also Porter Moser and Porter Moser's son. Very, very cool stuff. We'll hear all that when we come back. It's Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner here until the top of the hour. Don't forget, we've also got the games here for you this afternoon here on ESPN. Texas Tech and Villanova, they tip at 120. Duke and Kansas around 405, courtesy of Westwood One right here on ESPN 1000. Let's book Ninja. This is Chicago's game day. And now the Kansas State fans on their feet. And Loyola getting a little nervous. Right wing, three-pointer, Richardson, he got it! There's the silencer from the Ramblers! He needed that, so I can tell you that. 64-48, Loyola. Some of the stuff they do, uh, icing the ball screens, uh, switching everything, uh, they were very physical. We never could get in any rhythm, and... Uh, you know, and I, I feared it. Our staff feared it. We talked a lot yesterday about it. Uh, they were better defensively than I even thought, to be honest. And I thought we might be able to get some things, some looks, but uh, we just didn't do that. They see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. 
Welcome back in. The last voice you heard was Bruce Weber, the coach of Kansas State, as his team went down to the Loyola Ramblers yesterday, 78-62. Fred Huebner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. He did say that they were very physical, and I don't know if you guys heard the postgame presser a couple of games ago. I think it was after the second game, and a reporter said, well, when you look at you guys, you don't look like very scary or intimidating, but you still are dominant. And I think it was Custer looked at him and says, we don't look scary to you? (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny because when you look at that team just walking out onto the court, you're not expecting a physical team. I mean, you got Crutwig, who's the freshman and a big, tall guy, but you're not looking and expecting a very physical team. But even Bruce Weber said right there, the way they play their defense, you know, they even they knew what they were getting into, and they still surprised them. And we're very physical with them. And that's, I think that's something, I don't want to say the teams are uh, taking, um, you know, Loyola for granted, but I don't think Michigan will when they start, you know, they get the whole week to prepare for them. Yeah, right. And Fred, they, they might be taking uh, the Ramblers for granted, and uh, that's why they're heading to the Final Four. Yeah. And, and, you know, a full week of prep is different than the second game of a weekend when right. you only have 24 hours in between. So that's where you hear Bruce Weber say that, and it's like, well, I mean, that's all you saw on tape, but this team's actually pretty good defensively. Did you hear what uh, Beeline said after the game last night? No, what did he say? The second question to Beeline was, well, now you get to play the Loyola Ramblers in the Final Four. What are your thoughts on them? He goes, I have not seen one minute of their last four games, which surprised me a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm sure he probably hasn't. He's probably just been watching and breaking yeah, down film. He's in yeah. their their Michigan bunker, getting ready for games that of teams that they're going to face. Yeah. He'll, they'll deal with Loyola now. He's, and, he said, "Well, could you give me like a minute to appreciate this yeah, one?" And well, maybe and now I'll that they have afterwards. a full week to get ready for it too, like he knows, yeah. like I don't need to do advanced scouting on who he could possibly face. Right. So we have a whole week to prepare. Yeah. And chances are, someone on the staff has been has, doing it because I, you know, covering the UIC Flames, they they have different coaches who are scouting out in advance Mm -hmm. the games that are upcoming on the schedule. So I I could understand a head coach the moment a game ends saying, I haven't seen it, Yeah, but I'm sure someone on the staff has seen. seen. Okay, Mm -hmm. is Loyola assistant coach Drew Valentine a a twin? Uh, No, I think he's the older brother. They can't look any more alike. I th- I know he's uh, he's definitely an older brother. I don't think that they're twins. My lord, it's amazing how cl- how how much they look alike. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other assistant coach is a kid I saw actually play in high school at uh, Downers Grove no- uh, South. Uh, Brian Mullins. I saw him and his brother both play at Downers South, and they were both very very good players. Yeah. And it's uh, you know he was the one that came up with the idea of leaving Crutwig on the bench for the start of the second half in the game on Thursday where, uh, you know, Crowwood got in foul trouble. They couldn't keep up with Nevada, and all of a sudden they came out and played really, really well. Want to hear some more stuff from some of the guys, such as Clayton Custer, who talked about defense always being the first focus for this team. Our coaching staff works harder than anybody I've ever seen to know every single tendency of every single player, and um, we have a specific way of how we want to guard things, and um, the first focus is, is defense for us. So, yeah, I mean, people talk about our spacing and, and the way we move the ball and how unselfish we are, which I think that's expected because we, we do do a good job of that, but um, I think maybe, yeah, I mean, our defense is, is definitely the key to us winning these games. And it has been 62 points. They came in allowing only 62 points. Three of the four games, they allowed just 62 points. It's pretty, pretty bizarre. You couldn't have, you couldn't have, you could have got long odds on that one. 
Well, they allowed, they held Kansas State to 24% from three, yeah. you know, 40% uh, from the field. So they've been doing what exactly what they wanted to do, under 40% from the field, about 35% from the field, which was one of their goals to do. They, they, Cause turnovers. Now, they actually had a ton of turnovers, which did. could affect them against Michigan, a team that can take advantage of turnovers. You saw Kansas State do it when they beat Kentucky. They couldn't do it. They did this time. They just couldn't score otherwise unless they were getting a turnover. How did you guys, real quickly, this is just something I saw and I made a comment about it and some people were getting on me. Not a big surprise. Um, but I thought Kentucky played like a bunch of spoiled, I'm, I'm supposed to win. Uh, Kids playing entitled, the game. yeah, entitled. It's, it's okay. Uh, entitled is the word though I was looking for because they didn't. They never seem to work hard. They never seem to push for the ball. They never. I don't know. If, they just didn't seem to be there. It's like okay, well, we know where we're going after this. We don't. We, we care so much. Was it just me? Am I the only one that came out with that watching that Kentucky game? Well, it, it's tough to kind of uh, put Kentucky into perspective because for most of the season they were not very good. Uh, they're twenty six and eleven. You know they. They win the SEC. They get into the tournament. Everyone starts picking them because of Coach Cal's pedigree and what yeah. he's done in the past. But they really weren't that good of a team. So, I mean, maybe it got to their heads because they played well late. Um, but they were not throughout the season Kentucky of what we're used right. to watching. Yeah, you know. So I, I, I agree. I mean, they didn't really. Um, obviously, that's why they lost. Um, but. I don't know if I'd say spoiled brats. I, I just think well, actually, that I, I, I purposely stayed away from the word entitled. Brat. No, I'm not sure if they were entitled. entitled I, I just know. think maybe they weren't that good to begin with, and they just had a nice stretch t- down the stretch, you yeah. know, down the end of the season. Sure, sure, okay. I mean, maybe they thought that they they overlooked Kansas State and just thought that because they're Kentucky, they'll be able to be better than that, them. Maybe and that's they, probably the best way, better way of saying it. But they they maybe they just overlooked them. That could be it. That's a better way of saying it. You got a future in this business. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nice, Abdallah. Good job. More puns. Ben Richardson uh, talking about how Loyola got this far. We believed in each other and in the process this whole year, and we knew that we could do special things. And so it didn't really matter, you know, what the outside people thought or what they thought we could do. It was just, you know, all it took was the belief in the locker room and each one of the coaches and, and, and my teammates, my brothers, and to have that kind of moment, it's it's surreal, and it's I can't even put it into words. Now, Richardson had a career-high 23 points yesterday, 6 of 7 from 3, and it was just amazing, too, because he had struggled. He'd only hit just one three-pointer in the first three games. But the best story is what he said after the game, and I've got a story to follow up on this one, which is even funnier than this one, just because, you know, because of the people I'm going to be telling you about <laughs> But this is Richardson with Custer after the game on the court talking, and uh, Custer starts, and then Richardson chimes in. Nobody thought that we could do any of this. Story in the hotel yesterday, a girl came up and said, "Hey, can I get a picture with you guys?" She goes, "Here, here, Mister, can you take the picture?" She handed the phone to him, and she goes, "And she goes, are you on the team?" And I was like, "Come on, man!" But hey, we believe in ourselves, and uh, I, I know I said Marcus was the best player on the floor last game. Ben Richardson was the best player on the floor tonight. Right, there's no doubt Ben Richardson was the best player on the floor. But the story he told about the hotel with a girl coming up to him, and Adam, you may have remembered this. It happened last year after the Chicago Fire signed Bastian Schweinsteiger. They went and played up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they were in the airport in Toronto, and a lady came up, and she saw that they were soccer players, and she asked if they could take a picture, if she could take a picture with them, and she handed her camera to Bastian Schweinsteiger, <laughs> probably one of the most famous soccer players in the 
world. Yeah. And the guys from the fire could not stop laughing. And Schweinsteiger took the camera and took the picture and everything was cool. And they, you know, they said afterwards, once she realizes what she did, she'll probably be very embarrassed. <laughs> but the players had all kinds of fun with it. And that's the first thing I thought about when I heard the story, uh, from Richardson. Cause you look at Custer and, you know, you talk about not looking scary. These two guys don't look like they're yeah. they're dominant guards in the NB, you know in the uh, NCAA tournament. They just oh. look like Loyola kids. They look like kids that <laughs> are, are at Loyola or DePaul or any other school yeah. but they that hasn't been able to get there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, let's not blame the girl who asked for the photo because until this weekend, uh, does anyone know what any of these guys look like? No. Uh, yeah. If you're a college basketball fan, maybe you really like Loyola basketball. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, if you are a student and you don't really follow the basketball. Basketball team? Why would you know? I mean, right. I bet there half the people on campus probably had no idea who Clayton a month Custer ago was. would anyone know? Yeah, he's it, probably in their classes. They don't even. Yeah, know. the last three hey, I think weeks. That guy's in my class. Is that the he basketball hit, player? Yeah, he just hit a three. I think he's in my class. I've got him in biology. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we'll see. There'll probably be a lot more fans. It's funny too because when next season starts, yeah. They'll probably be able, because a lot of these kids are obviously going to come back. Mm-hmm. There's only I think they only have a couple seniors on the team. Uh, Richardson's one of them, and I think Ingram is the other. Um, so it, it's Custer is a redshirt junior. So I think okay. I think he yeah he's a junior. Um, Richardson is a senior. And Ingram, uh, right? Jackson senior, um, and then you have Ingram who is a senior. So you know. Uh, Three of the five starting five, they're all yeah, seniors. So. You have Crutwig coming back, and Williamson coming back, and, and Williamson, Custer. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, that'll be fun. Hopefully, we, uh, Porter Moser comes back. Hey, Abdallah, come on. We'll hear from Porter Moser's son. Unbelievable. He had, he had some fun comments after the game. We may even hear from Porter. It's funny because he's the coach, but we're hearing from Sister Jean and everybody else. But uh, you'll hear a lot from Porter Moser and Porter Moser's jacket, probably, too. Yeah. It's uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner, right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Welcome back in. I'll turn the mic on the right one. Wait till tomorrow. (laughs) That won't be fixed by then either, will it? Probably. No. Um, Welcome back in. (laughs) People are like, what What are you talking yeah, about? I know. We have two microphones here. One microphone that we always use isn't, it's about ready to fall apart. So we're not using that one. And I keep hitting that button to turn on the mic. Actually, only twice today, which is actually pretty good for me. What will happen is Cap will go to use that tomorrow morning It'll at fall. nine. It will fall apart. And then there'll be chaos. <laughs> You're here tomorrow morning, right? Yeah, you and yeah, Danny? Yeah. Are you hoping more for a Duke victory because Danny's here tomorrow morning? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. 100%. When, when you're annoying about your team, then I will root against your team. That's that's Black Logic 101. There you go. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I went to the uh, – I was at the Final Four um, just once down in St. Louis when Illinois was there. I want to say it was 2005. And um, I bought a couple of hats. I bet, so I, I got two hats that had the, the four logos on it and sure. embroidered on it. They look very cool hats. Um, hats, you know, my head's not going to get bigger. I, I'm not taking steroids. I'm not Barry Bond. So I, right. the hats will always fit me. Wear shirts, you never know. Not so sure. Um, but 
Porter Moser's son yesterday was talking to a reporter. The, the whole family was there. Porter was there and his wife and their kids were there. And his son had something that was actually pretty funny. Um, this is like, I'm just so happy to be in the final, like my dad to be in the final four in the team. Because like every year, like we always get like final four t-shirts. <laughs> and like now this year, like Loyola's in the final four t-shirts. And like <laughs> now it's going to be like a thing that like, I can talk about for like the rest of my life. Like it's just great experience the kid looked like he was like 10 or 12 and he sounded like a coach already yeah i can't wait for ethan tremblay to play him in the uh the loyola story yes coming coming soon to yeah. theaters the disney story of the ramblers making the uh final rambling on to little the final ethan four. tremblay what will the disney movie be named for this loyola run well it, will it have the regular rambler does the rambler go to the games too yeah Right? I've not seen it. Yeah, they, they I saw him behind night. the band yesterday yeah. going okay. wild. Yep. The okay. satisfied wolf. <laughs> right? Like, you look at the picture, he's not menacing. He's no. like, kind of got a smirk on his face. He does. I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. Well, here, while you're well, thinking. We'll, we'll wait, Abdel. You, while you're you, thinking, you keep thinking. Porter, we'll Moser, Porter Moser <laughs> says that one thing they didn't do is they never lost their focus. <laughs> this is not something where. It just started. These guys have been investing for a long time on how hard they worked, how hard they believed. And, uh, you know, we've kind of had this mantra about the process. People ask me out there, they go, did you ever think you're going to the Final Four? And to be honest with you, it wasn't after Selection Sunday, we didn't say, hey, let's go to the Final Four. We said, all right, what do we got to do to beat Miami? Then it was the next game. And these guys have done an amazing job of just laser-like focus on what's right in front of them instead of skipping steps. But... Uh, why not us? You have to have high character guys that believe to really, truly, to truly do that. Oh, did he pull out a why not us? Why Isn't not that us? Dusty? Yeah, right. <laughs> that was Dusty with the why not us. Right? Are you still, are you still thinking over there? What are you, are you doing? The name of the movie? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think I've got it. Uh, I-, I saw this on Twitter from someone, I forget who, maybe second to none. N-U-N. The Sister Jean story. Yeah, that's not bad. Is it going to be the Sister Jean story or the story of Well, Loyola? you have to tell it from the perspective of Sister Jean. Okay. Yeah, Come yeah, on. like like Titanic. It's from the perspective yeah, of, it's of the, the perspective of the old lady. lady. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, if hopefully she would have pulled up Leo and put him on the door. <laughs> how, do you, how do you how do you leave the guy? There's a lot of room on the door. It's not a true story, except for the boat part. Sister oh. Jean, pull Porter up on the board. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, they're going to enjoy college basketball today. And so will I, I guess. Fred, he'll be with you. The guys will be on throughout the week. You'll hear their uh, melodious tones. And also, uh, uh, Tommy Waddle will be back sometime this week. He is going to come back. Thanks, Eric Ostrowski, for all your help. Thanks for listening to ESPN 1000.